Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about little black dress concepts and what that, you know, the biggest little black dress concept in fandom is the sentinel and guide trope um where the basic premise is that you can put the sentinel and guide trope on top of any other fandom and it will work we have done this in podcasts before from the cast of scooby-doo to the cast of csi i mean because it is really of course thelma's a sentinel velma velma's a sentinel what of course she is And so is Scooby. <laughs> but um, it's just like. Um, but not Shaggy. Shaggy's mundane. Yeah, Shaggy's mundane. Yeah. And Fred's God, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's a concept like that. And um, what I want to kind of do is to develop other concepts like that. Um, in the course of the podcast or with you guys on rough trade i think it would be really fun to develop these concepts that we can take and just drop on top of other fandoms kind of like what i did with revenant but i need to kind of um expand revenant um as a concept and add some more world building details so that it's easier for people to see how they could use it um i think it'd be really interesting if we did this with a bunch of concepts like um telepathy uh uh just just you know just try to figure out what kind of concepts we could take and turn into little black dress concepts um as a group magic so i've just been kind of um, noodling it soulmates some sort of soulmate thing or um yeah i I'm, I'm entertained by the idea yeah i just don't know where i want I, I've, I've been noodling it for the past couple of days and i really don't know what i want to do with it but i just think it'd be really interesting you know if we had a little section on the forum full of these concepts that people could go look at and say okay i have this story and i'm gonna look for a concept and just figure out what concept i want to play with you know i just think it'd be really interesting i agree so uh so these, if these are like little dre- black dress concepts, it we're talking about that this has always existed in the world, as opposed to it emerging in the world. Because, like, for instance, like if you're talking about like psychic powers type type little black dress, um, like intuitive wouldn't be that because intuitive is about the emergence of those abilities, right? So, the idea between I think a little black dress AU is that it has always been there. Your world was shaped with that stuff happening, right? Yes. So it's talking about like completely altering your world structure so that this thing is at least for a very long time been there, whether it's psychic powers or magic or whatever, as opposed to like an emergent story where people suddenly become psychic or people suddenly have magic or something. So like if soulmate magic had always existed, that would be like a little black dress concept, lay it on top of anything. But like your story where Thor's hammer caused soulmate magic, that Mm -hmm. would be different. It'd be an emergence. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's let's pick one and play with it. See which one, which one sounds the most appealing. We could do magic, soulmate, um, some sort of psychic powers. Um. The beauty of having a concept that's always been there is that you don't have to do a lot. You don't have to do the world building because a concept does the world building for you. And you don't have to worry about 
uh, creating laws and creating government organizations like Jilly did was intuitive because it's already there for you. It's like when you go into the Sentinel Guide concept, we, we already have a concept. We have prides. We have Sentinel Guide Centers or is this, you know, uh, Sentinel Guide Foundation. I've been using the Burton Foundation recently in my Harry Potter fic and I like it a lot. Um, so all these, con you know, all these little things are already there for you to pick and choose because it's already been kind of moved around the fandom a whole lot and it's really easy to do your world building. And I thought it would be really fun if we could do that with these concepts, you know, pick out a concept and do a lot of world building for it and then put it together on rough trade in a little forum uh, as something that could be done. So I think for me, the two most appealing of the ones we've tossed around so far are either some sort of psychic abilities or soulmates. So you pick, pick, pick. <laughs> Psychic abilities. Okay. There are lots of different soulmate tropes that are practically um, little black dress concepts already, um, like the seeing color one or the strings or the words on the body. I will um, say one of, one of the things, I mean, we could do like at a future time, like flesh out some of the like parameters for it. Because mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's missing in a lot of the soulmate stuff that I read is uh, it's not really, it, the worlds look too much like the canon worlds without any like accommodation for the fact that soulmates exist, right? Like mm -hmm. we talked about the other night, like I had never considered before that if you did the arm, if you had the name on the wrist thing, that parents would that that appeared from birth or something that parents would be giving their kids super original names nobody would na be named tom because they would your parents if they if they cared about you be trying to increase your odds of ever having a fi of finding your soulmate and not getting a false match um unless Which is why i would want to use symbols or just act actual marks instead of names because you don't want to change your fandom names Right, exactly, which is why I think the name thing kind of falls apart unless you do the whole names come, the names appear when you when you touch or when you meet or something. That way you can have a common name and it's really obvious that it's not, uh, that it's not a different, that it's not uh, some other Tom because it's the Tom whose hand you just shook. But that, that's, that's the touch trope, right? But it just happens to be a name more so than the born with your soulmate's name on your wrist. Anyway, so I do think that there's like a little bit of a deficiency in terms of like the world building and the governments and governance about it. Sometimes some people do a better job with that. Like they'll actually talk about like what the laws are about interfering with soulmates or how soulmates are accommodated, mm -hmm. medically speaking. But I think that in general, it's just not very well. I would say 90% of the time I see kind of not, not a lot of development in the world building. One of the things, one of the people that talk about in the chat room about soulmate you use is the one where the first words your soulmate says to you are on your skin. I read a thing on um, Tumblr once, um, and the character in this little Tumblr um, story, um, the first words his soulmate ever said to him, will ever say to him is, I can't believe Dumbledore died. So this kid got spoiled for Harry Potter before Harry Potter existed. <laughs> He has no idea what his soul mark means until those books come out. So book one comes around, he's reading, holy shit, Dumbledore's gonna die? My soulmate spoiled Harry Potter for me. <laughs> and apparently he meets the dude coming out of a movie. And his first words to his soulmate is, you! <laughs> and something, I forget. 
And the guy's like, I'm not, that's not how I thought that would go down. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've heard a few stories with like funny things being said, like, but can you imagine if your, your soul mark said hi? Or hello. Or hello. Or excuse excuse me. Pardon me if you're British. (laughs) There's one Did you find everything you need? How many times do I get asked that when I'm shopping on any given day? <laughs> I can't remember anything else about the story, but there was one story in the Teen Wolf fandom. I, I want to say it was Lydia, but it might have been somebody else. Um, that her, her, the words on her arm were super generic, like, can I help you or something like that or whatever. And so she um, spends her whole life, whenever she meets somebody, saying increasingly outrageous things to them. Like, is that a butt plug in your pocket or something like that? She doesn't actually say that, but it's just ridiculous things. Like when she meets somebody, she says absurd shit to them so that she will, so that they will go, oh, what? whoa, no wonder. So this is you. Why, why, why did you say that? <laughs> and it's because her soul mark is so freaking bland and generic. But I don't remember anything else about the story. So I don't even know if I finished it. So I couldn't point anybody to what that was, but um I just thought that little little thing was entertaining because it is exactly how you would realistically handle if your soul mark was really generic. So anyway, so psychic powers. Hmm. Psychic what would be powers. Limits you would put on the abilities. Would you put limits on the abilities? Like I tend to not ever write precognition because I think it's it's a world building nightmare. Um I would probably not do precognition, but I think it'd be really interesting to explore a character with a retrocognition. I think retrocognition, but that's like a, um, what's it called? That very common, commonly written about ability. Psycho, uh, psych- psychometry, psychometry. Psychometry is yes. a form of retrocognition. Mm-hmm. I think psychometry is fascinating. I mean, I can't imagine that I would ever do a soulmate AU and not use psychometry. Not soulmate. Psychic. It's going to be one of those nights. It certainly is. <laughs> psychometry. It'd be, but also like uh, telepathy, um, uh, telekinesis. I think probably telekinesis would be really, would be really rare. And for some only like available um any side in you know in like in moments of extreme stress um yeah because telepathy is a um telepathy is problematic also in its way because people unless there are unless people can feel when you're using telepathy and they can just like turn around and smack the ever-loving crap out of you but it's just well yeah but i also write about a, a, a character in star trek who's half betazoid who's fully capable of invading somebody's mind he doesn't but he could right and then there is his cousin who regularly invades everybody's mind because she don't give a shit. <laughs> and it's like, given if you're in the room with a betazoid, you can guarantee, pretty much guarantee that your active thoughts are not a mystery to them. And it is a part of Star Trek that everybody just accepts. I just, and the thing is, even in Star Trek, when I saw that, I just felt like it was improbable that, um, that people would just accept it so easily. I think that... Uh, Especially they they present Luxana Troy as being just kind of blithely going through people's brains, and nobody just seems to mind. <laughs> I think it becomes a point of 
it's like well in Lantian Legacy they they have they have basically no mental privacy from each other because of um because of the gene therapy that took place. They are so it's it's just what it is. They they all have this ability in one way or another and they spend most of their time trying not to project on each other. Because it, it just opened them up in a way because it's part of really the ancients' ability to do this is what took them on the path of ascension, which will come up later in the Lantian legacy. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd be just I'd be more comfortable because I have a hard time with the lack of mental privacy. Um, I mean, I guess you get used to it, but I just, I know that everybody has intrusive thoughts and you just wouldn't want to be mentally connected to a bunch of people when you suddenly had a thought that just was like, where did that come from? Yeah. I think that somebody who had that ability would be so guarded and you can place limits on it as you're comfortable. Um, Does your, does someone with with telepathy require touch? Like say a Vulcan. Um, I mean, you could so, do it. You could do it so that telepathy, like it, part of people's natural psychic powers, could be that they can detect somebody trying to touch their mind, um, and the only way to bypass like somebody's natural mental shield without their permission would be like if they were in physical contact, and then, and from a legal perspective, you'd have to have like a court order for a strong telepath to like be able to break into someone's yeah. mind or something so you could do touch telepathy um as just a, as a rule um and honestly i don't think i want to write a character who had no who had no refuge in their own mind like the, if their telepathy is that advanced and they walk into a room and they hear the thoughts of every single person in the room and they can't control it you know that, that would drive you fucking insane mm-hmm yeah, it can't just be, I mean, you have to think about the practical aspects of these gifts, if everybody has some kind of gift. And would you do it that way? Would it be everybody has some kind of gift? I'd um, probably do like a psychics are known kind of thing, like where uh, people have abilities and maybe if they have really advanced abilities. Um, but, you know, really, to be perfectly honest, the Sentinel concept is ripe, rife with privacy issues. Oh, totally. If I you just, live I, next door to a sentinel, nothing you do is a secret. But your thoughts are still a secret. <laughs> you can't even take a dump <laughs> without the no. sentinel next door keeping track of your bowel movements. Lock it on your door. I don't mean to interrupt, but it's been three days since you had a bowel movement. I think you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> this guy's like, hey, dude, I've been doing it work. comfortable at all the sentinels in the building. I've been doing it work because I don't need you intruding on my bathroom. But <laughs> he has a little sign on his door. I am I am very regular. It happens at work. God, can you imagine? Shut up, lady holder. Oh my god. I honestly don't think blowjobs are problematic. We are not going there again. Stop. No, we're not even going down this path. I refuse. Um, because you know that if actually to be truthful, oh. if a sentinel could see could feel that. Um, do you know that we have tiny little itty bitty organisms living in our eyelashes? Can we not? What I'm saying is, is if they could feel sperm, then their whole body would be a nightmare. I'm going to hang up. <laughs> no, seriously, this grosses me out. So let's not, please. I know that you, people like trolling, but I'm just not down with this. Stop it. 
But just so, so sperm isn't a thing. Although the only sperm thing that really amuses me is the thing in um, Will Smith's superhero movie where he has super sperm and he's having sex with that lady at the end. And he ta- and he kind of like basically tosses her off as he's about to come and sperm shoots out the roof of his trailer. Well, that's amusing, but it's not in any way. <laughs> it's like the whole concept is: Would Superman come at supersonic speed? I'm gonna put you in the corner. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I'm in the corner for the rest of the night. But it wasn't my movie. I didn't make it. <laughs> but absolutely, none of this is gonna be a little black dress trope because I just refuse. Um... <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> well, Lois Lane got some before she ever met Clark Kent, but she also slept with Clark Kent, um, with Superman. So she obviously super sperm was not actually a thing. Um, but telepathy, psychochemistry, uh, psychometry, blah, blah. Why do we pick this one? All the words are difficult to say. Um, telekinesis. Um, I looked at a whole bunch of different mental abilities when I was um, defining um, Betazoid teaching for Jim in um, Tangled Destinies. Um, and I forget some of the other concepts that I... I wonder um, if I have my notes on that. Let me pull up my notes for intuitive. I wonder which... I wonder which... Uh, which, which What I was using for... God, how many copies of those notes do I have? Okay, so in my, work folder. in my in my universe, in intuitive, the gifts that I put in um, are empathy, telepathy, retrocognition, and postcognition. Retrocognition or postcognition, depending upon what what term. Remote viewing, psychometry, or psychoscopy, which is the same thing. Dowsing, divination, clairvoyance, automatic writing and drawing, and aura reading. Okay, so mind organization, sci vault creation, mental projection, empathic re- recognition, lucid dreaming, medita- meditative states, um, extrasensory perception, telekinesis, psychometry, telepathy, meditation, and precognition. And the final stages of his training would be um, the understanding of the three psionic planes, hyperplanes, mental, astral, and how is, extra, how is extra sensory perception? Aren't, what does that even mean? Contextually, I thought they all were loosely categorized as ESP. Um, it was in the in the principles. It's about deductive reasoning. It's about using all of his abilities to um, problem solve and uh, and to work within his environment. Because um, these are all like. Um, that that's the uh, passage. Okay, so the one so there are others that I I just that I discarded said absolutely not. Um, I said I put I pulled out um, mediumship, uh, which channeling the dead. I didn't want to deal with that in any kind of meaningful way because I didn't want to deal with an afterlife or the concepts around that. I feel like that when you deal with the dead, that it just tacks on. But I guess you could put it in as a very rare Number gift. one, it gives give you too many characters. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, right? And but, I uh, think, honestly, a medium concept is on its own. It's huge. It could be its own little back dress. I mean, I, 
I did do that. I, that that was the descendant was a medium concept where you know mediums are known and people routinely talk to the dead and blah blah blah. Um, and then so I ruled out precognition because I didn't feel like precognitive premonition and precognitive dreams. I didn't want to deal with those. The concept of seeing the future, I feel like that it is potential plot hole. Um, it's also it's just a world building nightmare to actually have premonition be an active thing. Um, and then I, I ruled out psych, uh, psychokinesis and telekinesis, depending upon which term you use. Um, to me, that's more like an X-Men type thing than uh, an actual psychic kind of thing. Um, and also there have been like, I think in a conventional universe, I think if you're doing a psychic universe, the ability to move stuff with your mind would be something that could actually critically drain you. Like potentially to the point of death from a, like a calorie deficit kind of perspective. Um, no, I kept that in. I kept that one. I, th I think those are the big concepts that I felt like were not good for a psychic AU, which was um, mediumship, precognition, and telekinesis. Those were the ones that I thought, nope, not doing those. And I kind of pulled out what they call energy medicine, like healing by channeling energy. Because I don't really see that as being like a psychic power, but it was listed under sometimes... No, I didn't put it in those principles for the Betazoid because it's not canon for their abilities as a Betazoid to be able to do that. But it is canon for both species to be capable of telekinesis. Vulcans and Betazoids. In fact, we see Vulcans using telekinesis um, in the search for Spock. I just think telekinesis is just a... But it's like they're only their really... Their, um, the ones that achieve colonar mm -hmm. are capable of it. It's like it's a it's a deep mental ability. They have to spend decades working on it. Um, so, and on Betazoid, the the most learnt, the most advanced of their the, uh, their most educated are the ones that get into that that final psychokinesis state, um, which can take decades as well. Yeah. Depending on your mental talent. But Jim got a boost because Jim has his father's training too. So. But it only comes into play once in, in, in um, Entangled Destinies. If you guys want a spoiler. But. um. So I want to mention there's uh, somebody mentioned somewhere. I, I'd copied the thing, but I didn't know who said it about other types of little black dresses. I agree. The X-Men, like the X-Men X gene kind of thing can be a little black dress concept. Um, you could apply that. Uh, you, it has some problematic elements to it in terms of being a little black dress. You need to adapt it from the way it was in Canon. Um, yes. A shifter verse could also be a little black dress of its own. I don't know that I see Highlander the same way because yes, you could do the Highlander concept into any fandom, but it's just another secret, right? It's not, it doesn't fundamentally change the world that these characters live in. They just, they just die and find out they're a Highlander and the cycle perpetuates. So I don't know that I see that one in the same group as the others. Yes, you could make a Highlander in any fandom. Absolutely. But it doesn't change the world in any fundamental way. So there's no world building to do. It's just, okay. I'm trying to keep up with the chat room. It moved a little faster than I expected. How do you mark something a spoiler in discord without ha having an image? 
Um, there's a, there's a, there's a, I think it's like, it's like vertical line, I mean, uh, vertical lines, I think, but let me just double check. Arite is saying really... double bars on each side. Okay, if I get it wrong, then it's your fault. Everybody gets spoiled for this and didn't want to. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think little black dress concepts are ones that people all know about, right? So just changing the origin stories of the of the Highlanders, it doesn't like make it a Highlanders are known kind of universe. Because um, I think you actually ruin the mythology of the Highlanders if everybody knows there's immortals running around, right? So I, I think it's like it's in a different category of a universally applied concept because you could do a crossover with the Highlander in anything, but it's not really. It's just it's in its own weird little niche because while I agree it's little black dress in the sense that you could do it with anything, it doesn't fundamentally change the world that you're putting it in. So, and then if you do fundamentally change the Highlander, I don't know. I don't even know how. Nah. Okay. I mean, I can so, see it going actually in a very terrible direction. Yeah, because people would would be trying to behead these people. It would it would be. But I mean, would, along the lines of gladiator sports. Yeah, it would be ugly. It'd be ugly. We're we're, we're talking running man without convicts. <laughs> oh, thanks, Ellie. Oh, cool, Ellie. Thanks. Anyways, that that's what I'm going to do with Jim. Um, that will be the final act of um arc two of Tangled Destinies. Um, and it will be shortly before he becomes the captain of his own ship. No, it doesn't. I think it might be an app thing. Um, so I'll just keep doing it with the vertical bars. Um, okay. So if it, so if you kind of like modeled, and I think that because we have such advanced fanon and world building for Sentinels and Guys kind of thing, you could kind of model your psychic kind of premise around that, where like some X percentage of people have, or maybe I would probably give it to a lot of people would have some degree because you don't want I don't think you want a very tiny group of people to be have really have psychic abilities because you could potentially wind up marginalized or you have the government abuses and that kind of thing but if you make it so that you never know when these kind of abilities are going to pop up but maybe the really strong ones are the ones that are rare or those certain gifts are pretty rare but you never people would be hesitant to marginalize against a group if they or theirs could eventually have that ability, right? People just are selfish that way. So I think that if, if you want to write a world that's not dystopian-esque, you know, if you don't want to go down that kind of path, um, you'd want to ha do your world building such that a lot of people maybe had some sort of minor level of psychic ability, like like a, maybe a lot of people could do aura reading, like people, a lot of people see auras or... Um, Maybe there are quite a few people who are good with dousing. Maybe uh, just that kind of thing, kind of like maybe the more minor gifts or maybe empathy is fairly common, but it's maybe a maybe only touch empathy. Like you only have to be touching somebody to kind of get their, their emotions. And then you could play with the idea of, but that there are some gifts that are more, less common or, or some gifts um, when they're really strong, like maybe an empath who could, detect somebody's emotions from 
you know, across town is very, very, very unusual. And then you could have like a whole like, you know, governance system for training and for, you know, how, you know, how to keep people from having their, their gifts abused and protect their rights and all that stuff. Um, so when you're developing a concept like this that you expect others to be able to use, you want to give them a good foundation or that they might want to use. You want to give them a good foundation on the history of the gifts, um, what the general gifts mean and how they're used, um, limits on the gifts, um, government protections, obviously, yeah, like Julie already said. Um, you have to think about what kind of energy is being expelled. Is it physical energy from the body? And that means that people who have really big gifts or really powerful gifts have a really have to intake a lot of calories or is it more of a psionic thing um and like that you about compare to say uh, like a magical reserve that magical people have and that they can become like um psionically exhausted for, from using their gifts how is psionic energy created um how is it fed I think I would go the psionic energy path because I just wouldn't want to deal with people needing to eat all the time. Um, Me too. One hobbit's enough for any girl. Right. <laughs> um, Sparrow, you would only have to work, worry about government breeding programs and that kind of thing. Um, I would think. It, I think it would have like been one of those things that had been tried and failed and they don't do it anymore. Because if if it's something that has existed like since the caves by the time you get to modern civilization, they've going to have, the, they've going to gone through and have their bed runs with people with abilities. And if you put it into your world building that you just cannot, maybe you basically cannot predict what's going to, when, when and where these gifts are going to pop up and they would have abandoned breeding programs a long time ago. So it, the first time a world leader developed a psychonic, a, a, a psionic ability, all those laws that were in place would have been like, Oh hell fuck. No, I'm going to get rid of all of this. <laughs> <laughs> or their grandchild wakes up one day um, with advanced sympathy. Well, but again, we come back to no, because they're, they're having Russia be behind the rest of the globe in common sense doesn't actually make a lot of sense. And I, what I mean by that is that if the rest of the world figured out hundreds and hundreds of years ago that they can't actually predict where these gifts are going to pop up, why would Russia be any different? Unless you want to write a, a dystopian, a dystopian government, personally putting together, kind of thing. I lost you. Um, yes, I agree, Ellie. In a world where everyone had these kinds of abilities, the countries, uh, it doesn't mean the same as now. Things are to develop differently, and that's something you have to be prepared for in these kinds of when you're doing a, a do-over kind of thing. Hmm. Am I dropping for anybody yeah, else? It was like for about 45 seconds, you were like, boom, boom all, all up and down for me. So I didn't hear anything you said, basically. <laughs> Let me come back in. Hold on. Okay. Um, Is that any better? Yeah, actually, yeah. Let's see how left, it goes. I just left and came back in. Um, so... Uh, what I was saying, it sounds like nobody heard, was that um, the world would be different. The world would develop different. There'd be different kinds of alliances. And you can, you know, if you want to keep some things kind of aligned basically the same, you would 
you you can come up with kind of different reasons why like maybe certain regions kind of went when it went a different way or why there's are you know but on the other hand you could just kind of make things completely different you know um i often use these kinds of aus as as, as taking out certain world history world histories events that are ugly um wars would be fought differently yeah in um in in subversive uh the whole presence of um the lichens and everything and the different the different lichen nations and stuff basically in the united states really significantly altered its trajectory so um there wasn't the near genocide of the native americans there was no slavery none of that stuff happened because the lichens weren't going to put up with it and the american government was motivated because the lichens helped them you know keep control of their territory keep hold of the territory that they wanted so it, you just have to kind of figure out and sometimes you can you you might if you go you can go kind of you know way out there and wind up changing the entire world or if you you can do like more subtle changes and go okay so we don't we didn't have these tensions with this country and they're closer allies now or but if you the know, instability of a world history that you don't know is daunting you can take the emergence back of psychic ability several hundred years. That way you have a world history foundation that you can stand firm on if that makes you uncomfortable. If the idea of not knowing what, of not of, of all of basic history being wiped out, and, and, and for some people that would be kind of like, ah, you know, I don't even know what I don't even know what language they're speaking over here. Does Russia even exist? <laughs> you know, so. But if you're, if that's daunting, you can pick a time in history where it emerged, and then everything after that is solid. So you have better foundation to stand on if that would be a serious concern for you. Because the first time I told somebody that slavery didn't happen in ties that bind, they were gobsmacked. And the first time I told them that World War II didn't even last a whole year, they were like, "What?" <laughs> they don't. They didn't know how to deal with that. With the differences in history. Dark is cracking me up in chat. First, she says, "Look, if the writer of Yuri on Ice can make homophobia be not a thing, we can <laughs> pretend humans aren't the kind of assholes who would breed psychics." And then she says. If Rome once tried to breed captured psychics, and I don't know, it broke the empire, caused a slave rebellion, or sunk an island in the Med, people might have learned a lesson that or psychic, a psychic became emperor. That's all yeah. it would have taken. That's all it would have taken. Or an emperor became a psychic. Right. That is more likely right. The emperor becomes yeah, a psychic. Some, but some people find the idea of alternate history absolutely horrifying. I have an aunt who loves historical romance who won't touch an alternate history romance if her life depends on it. Because she says it, it makes her feel like she doesn't know enough to read it. That she, she said in, 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 order, in order to read these books I need, to need, I, I need a world history text from this author. I said okay honey. <laughs> and well, I get I it. Mean, I get it. But I don't, I'm, I'm not... I don't, but I mean, I get, I guess I get it, but it's sort of like, in general, I feel like the only reason I would need to have, you know, have a world history text is if I'm trying to look for their factual inaccuracies. Otherwise, I just kind of She says, well, it. if this is an alternate history, um, how do I know what happened and what didn't happen? Um, does France still look the same on the map? 
or is it different? Are all the other countries the same? Is it different? She she just got wrapped around the axle. I mean, I guess I get it because I can get wrapped around the axle around things too. But when it comes to alternate history stuff, I just kind of. But we're also of a mindset that we could read twenty five different stories with two di- with, with with the same characters and not be bothered. She couldn't. Mm. She couldn't read in fandom if her life depended on it. Because I was telling her about a story in Harry Potter. She says that didn't happen. I said, yeah, I know. It's an alternate universe. And she was like... But that didn't happen in the books. <laughs> right. Like, So how does she watch... How does she not watch the movies? She didn't. Oh, I mean, she doesn't watch movie adaptions. She doesn't watch TV adaptions. And if she watches the TV adaption or the movie before she reads the book, she doesn't read the book. For instance, she's never read the Jurassic Park books. I hope that she watched The Martian, not read the book. It's one of the I rare don't. things. She's not a science fiction fan, so probably neither. Well, she needs to read. She needs to watch the movie. So don't you be sure she knows <laughs> with her with her condition that she needs. She's ever going to do anything with The Martian that she needs to watch the movie. Well, she because can, she can appreciate a pretty man, and of course, you know he's pretty. So I'm not telling her to it, watch that. Yeah. It's also because it, it a lot of the dry, really dry parts of the Martian are kind of just gone, or they're or you see them in very entertaining montages, right? Or and also when he's blowing shit up, including when himself he's, when he's blowing shit up, right? And so and also because you're seeing the science not having explained to you, and then also some the delivery of some of his lines, the clap, the Captain Blondebeard speech in that the the how he's a pirate i just mark watney space pirate i just that line needs to be delivered in her face (laughs) (laughs) but no i mean it's just like that's right we're gonna science the shit out of this (laughs) i would actually not say that the hobbit is an alternate history mythology of europe i would consider that and she probably does consider it as well i pure fantasy offering because the maps don't line up don't ever ever suggest to her though that it's an alternate no because it, uh, um, it would it ruin, ruin her. her yeah it would it, it would absolutely ruin it for her so but yeah she likes um historicals uh she she reads not you won't be surprised to know that she reads law and nonfiction. Um, but when she does read romance, um, she absolutely cannot read anything with an alternate history because it just it her brain doesn't work that way. Yeah, I mean, I usually know an author's done their job with an alternate history thing when I'm when they give me the exact amount of information I need to know, and that's it. And I'm not left wondering, well, does this make sense? You know, and I just move on. I just suspend my disbelief around all the stuff that is unanswered because if it's not relevant to the actual plot, I don't need to know it. Um, okay. But so for, for our psychic, our psychic world, um, for the sake of everyone's sanity, uh, let's, do you want to, let's try to pick a, a, something in history that would have happened that would have sparked the emergence of psychic powers. Let's, let's do it that way rather than going all the way back to the caves. Shall we, shall we, should we make a world? Yes. yes. No, no, further back, further back. Really, further back? Um, the plague. Oh, yeah, the I like it. Plague. I like it. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so that gives us about potentially about seven hundred years. The um, plague. For some people, it the plague killed some people, and 
others evolved. Well, and so a lot of people evolved. And those born out of the survivors of the Black Plague throughout, I mean, I, for the most part, yes. But if it's not a physical thing, if it's a psionic thing, um, it could be what you could say um, is that the psionic plane was so, was bombarded with all this death that it broke open and exposed the entire planet to um, psionic energy. And that energy is on the planet to this day. Which is why my first thought was World War II because there were so many deaths in World War II. But I think the Black Plague is also another one where, where the deaths of human, where the number of people who died was so extreme that it would be, um, yeah, 75 to 200 million dead. Um, and we'll never know for sure how many died. Uh, wow, that's all it took that many years between 1347 and 1351. Well, okay, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to understand something somebody's suggesting. Somebody suggested that this the descendants of the people who who survived this are resistant to HIV. I'm curious what what uh-huh. that what the benefit of that is, and the response is that it plague caused mutations in humans so it makes sense for psychic stuff i'm just i'm not sure why i would why you'd pick out like a specific i mean you could have it have a lot of ramifications but like a lot of that's genetic, very specific it, but it's so I mean, specific that i just don't know i just don't know why why that I, i'm not i'm not sure i'm i'm not sure what you're trying to to, to say um yeah, I so it, it but, or, but I wasn't talking about mutation. The, yeah, the plague itself isn't mutating people. It's um, the people who survived were exposed to a whole bunch of psionic energy because all those deaths broke open the psionic plane. All those deaths at the same time, and maybe the psionic plane is made mostly of human energy. I'm gonna get an email about that. <laughs> And all that human energy flowing into the plane at one time and in such a short period of time, um, it was it, it overloaded and it broke open. And it spilled all over Earth, which would mean that these that, that, that these gifts would not just be central to where where white people live. Um Euroasia. Well, no, not not Asia, but Europe. Um, so you'd want to have it spread over the entire planet, not just be in a specific area where the plague is the worst. Because um, did the plague even spread to the Americas? Uh, I don't think so. Well, yes, it is. Plague still exists. That's not what we're talking about. But, but back then, did did plague make it to to the U.S. in the 1300s? No, well, which, which wouldn't have been the U.S. Obviously. But did it make it to? I, I didn't okay. think so. I no, didn't think because so. I don't think we even. I don't even think they knew that it existed at that point. I mean, the Vikings but, probably did. Yeah, we know plague is not. We know plague has not been eradicated. It, there are cases every year, particularly in like Chile and China. I've done mm-hmm. actually quite a lot of plague research. So that's what happening today is like totally a tangent. So, um, so if you want to affect the whole planet, it cannot be any kind of plague mutation. It has to be a psionic plane level kind of thing. Yeah, and you would want it to affect the whole planet because you don't want there to be come, you know, if you want to not have like wars busting out about like we don't want, you know, your 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 kind 
um, busting into, you know, like wars between like the East and the West of like, we're going to prevent you from getting any of your crazy into China. You know, right. we don't want, we so, don't want your, so you'd have to, you'd have to bust it out over the whole world. So it cannot be a physical mutation in response to plague, but I would say that the number of people who died during the plague would be enough if the psionic plane is made up mostly of the energy of, of human souls. That when you die, you become part of the psionic plane. I can, I can already imagine the email. I'm kidding. I'm an atheist, honey. Don't waste your time. Um, <clears throat> and well, so... Hold on. We, we want to go further back than, than, than the last century. So, I mean, yes, the Spanish flu would also have been the next logical candidate, I think. But I think we'd need more than 100 years to settle world, the world with this kind of thing, wouldn't you? I would agree. Um, I mean, I thought that's why the Black Plague was such a good idea. Oh, so you're saying use the flu rather than the plague, but what difference does it make? It's still back in the 1300s. It wouldn't have had only more than and the only reason why the only reason why Black Plague didn't kill more people it doesn't than it matter. Did. It doesn't matter what plague it is. It isn't about where they die. It's about how many die. Um, it isn't about a physical mutation. It's about all those souls hitting the psionic plane within the same brief period of time, and it, and it breaking up and breaking open opening a dam basically and flooding the entire planet in psionic energy wow dark this is why we wanted to pick something that was a little more modern it was to give people a foundation to stand on so they would not be freaked out by a complete alternate history right right because if you're gonna go back to 160 you might as well the cave right you might as well be in the cave because you um, you don't you don't have much left I mean, you'd, you, you, well, you'd have, I guess you'd have like whatever civilizations come up around like ancient Roman stuff, but. And also, and, you know, if, my, if you world. use the idea, if you, if you use the idea of the sonic plane kind of overflowing, um, it wouldn't make sense for it to happen really early in human, um, um, humanity's history. If the sonic plane is made up solely of human souls, there wouldn't be that many. Comparatively speaking, Right. They had short lifespans, and of course, there'd been a lot of people, but not enough for an overflow that would cover a whole planet. The whole planet. So, I think the Black Plague is actually a really good spot. It's kind of in the middle, so to speak, of the of the history, um, in that there's been a lot of life before it, so the sonic plane is really um, healthy. And then you hit the Black Plague, and you get 20 million dead or so, or 10 to 20 million dead in a five-year period. And it would overflow. That would make perfect sense to me anyway. Jilly? Well, I think the only thing about the overflow part is that eventually you're going to get, you know, once you have population boom, it implies there's some sort of threshold on the psionic plane. So, I mean, is it like a, is it a case of like people, like the souls move on or something? Or are we doing like a reincarnation thing? Because the idea that it, it overflows. Maybe it broke. Means that... Because there so, were so many at once. So the, the. So I, I would think if it was a, if so many at once that like caused a rift, I would think you'd need a natural disaster. Wiped out a whole civilization or something. And like, you know, you, and you probably could even have like a couple million died all at once and it caused a rift. Because even if, yeah, it could be. Were there a like couple Pompeii. million people in Pompeii? How many people died? 
Well, think, I think let's to, let's to, look at how many people die on average every year. Well, yeah, that's 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 the thing is like I would think that you would want it would need to be something in order to cause a rift in the psionic plane. Because this is the way I'm thinking about it. Okay, is if if you're gonna cause a rift in the psionic plane, you would have the the spread out. I mean, the the black plague killed a lot of people, but it killed them over four years. So I would think you'd need a lot of deaths hitting like on the same day. And then you could bring the number down a little bit. And then what happens is one of the reasons why, one of the things that keeps the world stable, and maybe they eventually figure this out, is that there are a larger, that what keeps that rift from reopening is, um, is that the psychics are drawing psionic energy. So the more psychics they are, the more bleed off from the psionic plane they get. So it's kind of, it's sort of like, it becomes sort of self-regulating. Okay, here's dark. 25 million people died for the bubonic plague in one year. Up to 5,000 per day. That's a lot. That kind of buildup would be enough, right? That's the bubonic plague. When did that take place? What's the year on that, dark? 541 AD. See? I mean, yeah, we can go back that far, but it doesn't solve the problem. Um, I mean, it's pretty deep in our history. Yeah, because if we want to, okay, so if we want to re redo it, you just have some major. You you have a. So let's look at things um, after fourteen hundred. Well, that would be really good. Okay, how far back do we want to go? Um, I mean, in fifteen at... in fifteen fifty six, there was an earthquake that killed almost a million people. And that would have been all at once, almost, relatively. It was 830,000 people. Where? Uh, Shaanxi, Shanxi, I guess that's probably China would be my guess. I'd actually never heard of this earthquake. Um, and, what, and how many people died? It's, it's a, what it's a Chinese it province. 1556, it's a Chinese province, and it was 830,000 people. I think that's probably pronounced Shanxi, but I actually do not know. It's a, it's a, it's spelled S H A A N X I, and it's a province in China. 1556, they had a major earthquake that killed 830,000. It's a predicted death toll. I mean, it could be higher, right? Right, because it wasn't like they probably had a really accurate census. That was right, because today the popula the population of that province in China is um, almost forty million, and that's not even probably counting children. That's probably just the adults. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, these would have to be like immediate, right then deaths, kind of to matter. Uh, well, not to matter. They all matter. That's what I'm saying. But as far as like the concept goes, it, that mass number of people dying at the same time would would be enough. I think 1556. Um, it could also be an interesting element in that um, the world has come to accept this, right? But that 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 the the wound of all those deaths in China on the psionic plane um, was is is was what caused the rift, and it could like be almost like a kind of a. I think you'd have to bake in like some sort of almost like a sort of a reverence towards that province and towards 
where that where that tragedy struck because it changed the scope of the world. I'm making notes. And what I'll do is take all these notes and stuff that we do here and I'll write up a little thing and make a forum in Rough Trade with the concept. And um, we'll call it Little Black Dress Concepts. Um, and if you guys want to submit one of your own, um, you could as well. I think that um, what you could say is that the immense number of people who died um, during the Black Death, like Lady Holder saying 16,000 per day, um, could have been building stress. And that was in the 1400s. And that really stressed the psionic plane. And this would all be basically... Um, philosophy and theory for this world and they wouldn't actually be able they wouldn't have any real proof right of what the sonic plane was like before it broke open um and that oh you know you know what we should do um pick a pick a character that you think would be like a history lecturer and like write up a primer that is written like this his this character giving a class and lecturing doing a class lecture on what our theories are for how these abilities came to people and it could be a, a, an interesting way to um, explain the history concept well honestly on I, the the only one name popped in my mind and, and Eric I just said it Daniel Jackson <laughs> and it could be based on the theory right every time there's a major disaster or some major loss of life that we're talking like it'd have to be because and they could talk about like in the lecture it's like the more psychics there are to bleed the excess energy off the psionic plane um the the safer it is right that we don't run the risk of but that every time there's a major natural disaster we'll see a brief surge like where a lot of people die that we'll see a brief surge of um, people with empathic or psychic abilities because of that people need to bleed off more of the excess energy. Um, it's fueling their gifts. It's more, or maybe it's just that it's more available because maybe they never can close that rift really. It's maybe it's just kind of sort of sealed. <laughs> I don't know. something like that, but where, because it could be then when you had the Spanish flu, um, which killed so many, that they had a huge surge in uh, people with psychic abilities. And then like in the next generation, it went back down because the rift stabilized again. They could call it the rift. The psionic rift. Already, yeah, already there. <laughs> when you say rift the first time, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I don't know that you would have the genocide in the Americas and the genocide in the americas in the 14 i don't know you'd have that no because there I would think be that by that point yeah that's when you have to start figuring out how things are affected right if people are in if you've got people oh the smallpox um well america started being settled in 1492 if the big event happens in china in 1556 that's not a problem oh so she's saying that you've got these things caused it to caught this any event i think i would think any event leading up to bridge would be a contributors stress contributors especially since lady holder said the black death that like th thousands of people like sixteen thousand people died every day whereas the average day today current morality mortality is 162,000 16 million 
What'd you say? 16,000 a day. She said 16,000 a day died. So the average 162,000 people die every day now, but our population is bigger. And it seems like the more people who die, the more psychotic, psionic energy would be bled off. Um, and so as our mortality rate increases. And one of the rare, potentially rare. And this is why there, there is no, um, this is why there are no mediums because there are no ghosts. Right. Everybody, all these, when you're, if your soul is comprised of psionic energy, that's where it's called back to when you die. But what if you, one of the rarer gifts is some people who have like the ability to see the psionic plane. I don't mean like see, see people floating around in there. I don't mean that at all. I mean like see the rift, see where the energy is. They can actually like people who are affected by psionic energy or, or wielding it. Um, and anyway, and probably the, the, part of the lucid um, uh, people who are capable of lucid dreaming can probably visit the psionic pain plane. Yeah, that yeah, that could work. And that that these people could have uh, have their insights could have given greater understanding um, about what happened because you know they visited and they see see what happens. And you could pick. Um... We could pick people from history to write essays as well. Yeah. You pick a key person. Make up here names or, there. or use historical figures um, to speak to people who are lucid dreamers who speak to the condition of the psionic plane um, after um, after the earthquake, after other major events. I just put something in the chat that I would never say out loud on the podcast. <laughs> That would get you an email. <laughs> get me like 50 emails. Go ahead and put it into the chat for them, but we won't say it out loud on the podcast. <laughs> she doesn't want to get an email about that. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> it was just my first thought. It's like one of the old, you could, could do, I was like, well, I wouldn't actually, but one of those essays could be written by, except, you know, it would have been too far back in history. But anyway, it was the first thing I thought of. Da Vinci would actually be a really good one, yeah. Um, and it could be, you know, uh, that that through these through these lucid dream essays, um modern humans we've we've figured out um what uh maybe the plane has been leaking. So maybe they've kind of like like there've always been lucid dreamers here and there, but they weren't they were considered um, kind of fringe elements until this big ha um, uh, until the event happened in 1556. That would leave most of the world history in like you could say you could even say someone like uh, Nostradamus was a lucid dreamer or he had um uh, or he had psychochemistry or, you know psychometry or something like that um well but that so you're going to give people abilities who were already dead by the time the event happened like that's like maybe it was just a little bit of a leak here and now and okay. like these people were considered fringe um you could pick character uh, like like nicholas flamel who existed in history um or you know, just like you know da vinci or um people who were persecuted for their beliefs like socrates um <laughs> Vicky says Robert Langdon giving a lecture to explain symbology of lucid dreams. 
<laughs> I love that. I'm not mad at it. I'm not either. But so you could have like maybe that you could have like a lot of these these I I like that that there were occasional the occasional one off here or there. Um and they were more like they were more like canaries in the um mine. But no one was paying attention. Yeah. Well, he's not the only one they say um, um, predicted 9-11. And Nostradamus has predicted practically every major disaster that took place after his death. If you look at his work, you can find it. I mean, you can make it look. You can, you can shape it. So it's not his fault. You've got crackpots in the, in the current time period on, on looking at his work and seeing what they want to see. That's like people who find predictions of the future in the Bible. Was that biblical code stuff? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay, so how would the world change? Um... <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting because they've been having, like, these, these fringe elements have been kind of um, living in and out of the psionic plane and, and writing these essays about them. And you have somebody like say, you know, Daniel Jackson and Blair Sandberg in the current um, and, you know, in, in modern times talking Burton talking about these um, on, on these ancient writings and um, Robert Langdon's giving classes on how the psionic plane developed based on these historical contexts that these people who were viewed as crackpots and crazies were actually um, telling the world that, change was coming and that when this big earthquake happened in 1556 the psionic plane broke open mm -hmm. and then you've got i mean it it's i i think that i, mean, I don't know how i'd want how much i'd want to get into looking at every single war that occurred in in any given century but i would think no. that, that there'd be more maybe initially like people be freaked out um, well, maybe not even. They might even just kind of like retreat into their own cult, you know, into their own groups and try to figure out how to function and what does this mean? You know, there'd be a bunch of people. I think you, one of the things that would be fall very quickly would be religion because you would have probably a lot of religious fanatics crying, you know, devil, possession, that kind of thing at first. And I think that if that but would... then they would regroup and they would and uh, those of really strong like I would imagine the Catholic Church would regroup and see to, and start to say that the psionic plane is the manifestation of God. Yeah, yeah, and that these are God's gifts and these are divine gifts. But is it the Catholic Church? Is it, um, if they're anything, they're adaptable. <laughs> yeah, because all you need is the Pope becoming an empath to be like. Well. These are God. These are God's gifts, kids. These are God's <laughs> gifts, children. They're God's gifts. We're going to. We're gonna. We're gonna embrace this, and and then they'd have to look at. Okay, so if the if religion, because religion could be a very powerful force. I think eventually religion would kind of fade away more than it has now. But mm -hmm. at first, it could be a very pow pr powerful force, unintentionally. Like they tend to like so they open. They go, okay, this is God. They encounter God's gifts and what they would consider. A, a barbarian or a savage or whatever it's like well he has god's gifts too what am i supposed to do hmm it might not be appropriate. i once had somebody tell me that i didn't have to believe in god because god believed in me um i'd have just been like okay 
Well, I'll let you know. I just, I, I just said thank you because I didn't have anything else to say because she was being so sincere. Yeah. I, I just a little crazy. I, I promise to I mean, personally let you know if that ever nets me anything. Right. But yeah, I mean, I actually kind of appreciated her as a person because she never tried to recruit me. You know, um, to to her Jesus cult, um, and she never tried to you know force me to take pamphlets or look at her iPad. Ridiculous, <laughs> or no, anything got, like that. I've got a gaggle of Mormons across the breezeway. They tried to recruit my sister hard, hard, hard one day, and um, I think it was around Christmas last year, maybe. And finally, she's going back and forth, and they just keep talking to her. She's going back and forth. She snaps, and she's like, "We are not doing this. <laughs> we are not doing this. You are my neighbor. You are not my savior. Do not do this." And I just all of a sudden I'm like, do I need to go rescue her? And she just kind of went off of them about, do not try to try to save me while I'm walking to and from the house with my groceries. I can't deal with it. <laughs> They've left us alone since then. But <sighs> well, no, I don't think that you can in any way say that that adding psionics to the mix wouldn't change things. It absolutely would have to change things. Because no, I think it would change religion too. Because I think I think it becomes an impetus for people to not believe. Actually, why? Because people look at the religious leader who doesn't believe what they're saying, and they go, "Hmm, hmm, hmm." hmm. And also, then you have these people who have insight into the psionic plane. They don't see any evidence of a divine power. It's just power. A really powerful man takes his wife and children to the local church this is ugly and the priest covets one of his members one member of his family for one reason or the other the next day that church doesn't exist mm -hmm. i think it would have a huge impact eventually on religion i think initially religion could would be a force of stabilization but i think eventually it would be i don't think religion would go away but i do think that people would stop believing I think they would start seeing, you know, and some respected person says, okay, I'm going to draw on reality and go, why is it that our priest is coveting my son? Right? He's eight. That's disgusting. And. Or why is this priest coveting my wife? He's supposed to be celibate. You know, I had a lucid dream last night and I walked in the sonic plane and I didn't see God. I mean, it would be, you know, so there would be, I think that eventually it would fall to extremes. Either they bought wholesale what the church was selling, or they couldn't buy it at all. They'd walk away. And by the time modern history rolled around, um, I don't think that religion would have a very big say. I think it would still exist, because some people find comfort in religion that they can't find anywhere else, and that is perfectly okay. Um, but I think that in a world like this, where people had abilities to see through you, and in some circumstances, see the ugly in you, see the greed in you, that it would be hard for big megachurches to even exist. Yeah, I think I think there'd be like a lot of tension for a while while the church was saying one thing and somebody's family member was saying it's well the priest says he sees God in the psionic plane and the family member goes, That's not what's happening and that's not his gift anyway. He doesn't lucid dream. 
I've never seen him. He's lying to you. We see each other there. We know who lucid dreams. And so I think there'd be a lot of tension for a long time. It's just, I think, be aware that eventually that would work out. At least to me, the logical repercussions is that eventually it would work out. Now, you could set up your world building differently such that history doesn't change all that much. I just don't see how that is reasonable. Now, if you want to keep religion intact for whatever reason, you know. You do you, boo. You do you. I just think but, um, I don't even I hardly ever mention religion in my fix for a reason because I don't want the emails um, and I um, don't have a lot of positive things to say and I don't respect anybody's religion um, I can respect you as an individual but I don't respect your cult or your sky fairy or your sky fairies or your nature or, or your nature fairies or your hell fairy I mean whatever you want <laughs> I don't respect I res any of it I <laughs> I respect your right to have beliefs, but I don't actually respect what you believe. That's completely different. Good night, Az. Um, so, uh, I think by the time a modern AU when it came around, um, socket gifts would be um, accepted and settled, and I think that, you know, honestly, if it starts in like the 1500s, like the major push starts in the 1500s, um, events like World War One and World War Two, I think they might happen, but they would be much briefer because you would have entire populace of, imp of, of, of impasse going down. Imagine how an impasse would feel at the deaths of millions of people on the same day. There would be a there would be a, a, a movement among the civilians to end this, please end this now, make this stop, make this stop. Shoot that dude in the head. <laughs> well, and you might even have difficulty with, you know, with if wars, particularly wars that don't make sense and causes that don't make any sense of soldiers just going, I'm not doing it. Just putting down their guns and saying no. Because what if, what if the person they're closest to the, in the world is an empath? Or, um, and they know what they're about to do is going to kill some. I mean, that would really change thing if you know that what you're about to do could potentially kill someone back at home. It could be those kinds of consequences. Is that if it's enough, it could drive people insane and they die. And I don't think someone like Hitler could come to power. No, I, I agree with you. So I can imagine there would be, you know, and this is one of the things you do if you're going back as far as we did the 1500s, um, that it becomes um, the um, um, the ripples can be immense, and you have to pay attention to that. You know, would slavery have happened? Yes, because it happened before this would slavery continue to happen after this probably not it would have ended much sooner mm -hmm. because the amount of suffering that was um, um that was happening in slavery around the world um was immense and widespread gifts of uh empathy especially if, if, if empathy is the most popular one um just opening humans up to the um the suffering of others and even in a mild way um without contact um the sonic plane would resonate with that trauma and everybody was like no th this has to stop my kid hasn't slept in three days my husband's not eating you know my grandmother's starving to death because every time she tries to eat she throws up because of all the pain she's suffering from the sonic plane because you assholes are keeping people hostage as, as, as slaves so no, this this is going to end right fucking now. And it would not be one person; it would be thousands of people, you know. Mm -hmm. And you could probably have so things like, like in slavery and genocide. Um, 
wouldn't have there 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 wouldn't be room. You could write. I I might go like an alternate history for focus a little bit on the on an alternate history for like China and the and the and the Far East because if if the rift or you know if it if the if they were the sort of the impetus for the rift, the what the the earthquake there, um, they might take it like as a sacred trust to to sort out these issues for their their culture and their their society, and so they might be like like world the world leader in it in their way about how to handle the integration of these gifts and and in researching what these kinds of gifts are and how they can benefit society and they might have sent out like ambassadors to other countries to try to help them with sorting out their issues and no no you can't have slavery you're going to destroy your own you're going to destroy your own people if you try to do stupid shit like that so and you're going to um, destroy us so we're not going to allow it because it would just and it was it would actually unite the world in a way the world had never been united um even in reality obviously um because you, you know that theory that um the butterfly flaps his wings in mm-hmm. hong kong yeah. and there's a tsunami and well it would actually be true that one small event could resonate all over the world because of the psionic plane and if you get a really powerful person who um is being mistreated by their government their pain could resonate in the psionic plane and impact an untold number of people because like in sentinel guide world we talk about empathic events and stuff but what Mm -hmm. if you had like um, a very powerful empath like you, like maybe let's say the most powerful empath in the world or something is like maybe they're keeping trying to keep them very sheltered like i don't know Maybe somewhere in Europe or something in the early eighteen hundred, in the early sixteen hundreds, or maybe mid sixteen hundreds. Give it a hundred years to settle down, and someone starts doing some, like killing a bunch of people or something, and this this empath just finally gets overwhelmed and kind of goes bonkers and pushes that out to everybody in a mile radius. And you could have these major events in history where people feel the the distress and the trauma of. Like they 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 themselves may not have developed a gift yet, but they feel they they get it projected to them the distress and trauma from somebody. And maybe empaths would be, you could have empathy be the most common gift and the gift most likely to be projected out when that person gets overwhelmed. And people just have to learn to be nicer to one another. Mm-hmm. Actually, I would think the reverse. Dark. I think people would see it as a yeah, as a community service. <laughs> Honestly, but, I think that. Um... Hannibal wouldn't exist as he does in canon in a world like this because he never would have had what happened to him as a child happened to him. I agree. He wouldn't have. He would. He would exist, but he wouldn't exist as a cannibal. So, um, I mean, I think you could go a lot of different ways. I think you could go with, um, you could go with the idea that the gifts could come on to you anytime, but you could also go with the idea that you need a relatively mature brain to. So after twenty five. Yeah, well, women, their brains mature younger, so 19 to 25. And like Sentinel and Guides AU, you could determine how widespread the problem is with the psionic plane. Um, are things relatively steady? Um, would you say that 1% of the population is affected by the psionic plane? Um, no, Hannibal was no. much too polite to be Rodney McKay. Which is which is terrible since he eats people, but he, but he's very polite. Very polite about it. They put the ripper on a plane. 
Um, what you could do, <clears throat> you could, um, oh, you know, honestly, Hannibal would eat Rodney in the unfun way. <laughs> you could, um, well, no, I think that it just, you know, like Sentinels and Guides, if they've, if they've existed for a long time, there would be, um, rules in place. But even 1% of the population is a ginormous number of people. Yeah, but I think that I would probably have it be a bigger number than 1%. I think I would have it be for, for like the low-level gifts, for like dowsing and maybe low-level empathy, or maybe some like or aura viewing or um, that kind of thing. I would say maybe 10 to 15%. I, I think I'd want it to be a fairly broad number and a broadly accepted gift, and there'd be enough people a huge number of people who would be negatively impacted. Maybe the brain is just more easily able to adapt to like empathy. And so if there's a huge number of people affected when somebody is doing some, when a government is doing something shitty, um, but it would be, it would be a very small number of people who would need more than the kind of training you would get like at your local college. So like maybe if you're in that group that's affected, like maybe everybody gets some basic training on if you start developing empathic gifts, this is what you need to do. This is how you build shields. And for the low level people who get the low level gift, that's all they ever need. It's the small percentage that get a stronger gift or who their empathy actually develops into full on telepathy. And I would want telepathy and empathy together. Like telepathy actually implies empathy and the reason is because telepathy by itself um could be uh, knowing someone's thoughts without the emotional context yeah because like, there's a line and um I, th I think it's in hannibal when will, will graham says everyone's thought about murdering someone everyone so the line of the knowing people's thoughts so maybe that i would make telepathy an evolution like the very strongest expression of empathy is is added telepathy you aren't just getting their emotions you're getting their thoughts too and um that way they have the empathic component as well and you aren't getting those thoughts without um so I think if it's really widespread, society would have had to settle down, settle down, have to figure out how to deal with itself. But you have a really tiny percentage of people, like maybe a quarter of a percent, who get the gifts that are stronger. And they maybe, it, even a quarter of a percent would be a lot, right? And the quarter of a percent would be what, about um, 16 or 17 million or something like that? Mm -hmm. Today's society, that's a lot of people. Who would have strong gifts or something not strong gifts of some sort whether but you can even do like a half a percent so what i have is 10 to 15 percent with minor easily gifts. controlled gifts I right problems on there i don't know why because <laughs> well, I, honestly i see these I, I see all these gifts as problems um and then i said but every once in a while a precious few are extraordinary yeah and the extraordinary are the ones you'd want to write about <laughs> Yeah, you you'd be writing your character as being one of the ones who's extraordinary. So, um, maybe in 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 for 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 law enforcement, people who have retrocognition or psychometry are super super sought after to help. Um, remote viewing could also be something that the government really tries to recruit people for. Um, maybe empathy and telepathy are not as useful to the government, except maybe. 
you know, that like, you know, if, if it's 10 to 15% have empathy anyway, there's going to be 10 to 15% of their forces are going to have empathy, but um, clairvoyance could be extremely, extremely rare. And what would you consider clairvoyance? Clairvoyance is visions. It's second sight. It's, it's just, that's, that's, that's all it is. So you could have those visions be any kind of, um, somebody sees a, a natural disaster or they get a vision of, of a crime occurring across town. You know, basically what it could be, the way I would probably write clairvoyance is that when somebody is suddenly putting off a lot of like mental distress, that it affects, that it, that it causes a ripple in the psionic plane. And somebody who has this gift is probably triggered to get a vision of what's going on with that person. So like, you know, crime could be really reduced because, you know, if there are any clairvoyance around, they might catch a vision of it happening if the, if, if it's hap like a violent crime or something. Um, but clairvoyance could also be, I mean, the way that, the way I, when I looked at clairvoyance and what I wrote down in my notes is perception outside the normal human senses, usually through visions. So you could, um, I think people confuse clairvoyance with precognition and they're not the same thing, but precognition could be a type of clairvoyance because you're usually getting it through visions, but. Um, I would want to stay away from prophetic dreams and precognition. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, it's, it causes too many problems because here's the thing. If precognition is pretty, is a pretty average gift um, and lots of people have them and um, say you precog somebody's murder and you don't report it and someone finds out that you saw it coming and didn't say anything, are you legally culpable for that? Are you now an accessory to murder? Because I think you fucking should be. <laughs> I mean, well, if you see your neighbor murdering, I'm, I'm getting murdered tomorrow, and you don't call the cops and say, hey, I'm a precog, and someone's going to come to my neighbor's house tomorrow and murder them. Right. But I also, it's not just, it's not just the world, the world building up the ramifications and the ripples is how do you actually make sense of the fact that access to psionic energy allows you to see something that hasn't happened yet? I mean, it, it implies, it implies a lot about the psionic plane that is really complicated. And weird. So I and wouldn't want to do it. It implies like that, the, that the psionic plane and time are very intricately um, connected. Yeah, minority report. And yeah, and yeah. can you be arrested for a crime you have not committed yet? Or is it more of behavioral modification? Like, so, hey, dude, the precog down the street. Oh, sorry, I don't even know where she lives. Um, <laughs> thought you were going to kill your girlfriend today. So let's, so let's talk about it. Yeah, exactly. So I would never include precog anything. Um, I just think it's problematic world building. Um so, yeah, if you have a single character in a mundane in a mundane world who has a prophetic dream or has visions of the future and uses those visions to kind of shape their world, that's one thing. But you wouldn't want it to be a widespread psychics are known kind of gift, right? I wouldn't. No, and also honestly, I wouldn't want it to be in the fabric of society. You know, it's just it's it's so problematic from a world building perspective, which is and that it's the same thing with divination, not divination. Um, divination is a type of kind of like a type of clairvoyance. Um, it is a um, it's the same thing as with a mediumship, um, like channeling the dead. It's just it it has. It's not that you can't do it. It's not that you. But I would if I were going to do a, like a psychic AU as in clairvoyant. I mean as in um, precog or mediumship. I would do it 
that'd be the only gift and do the whole world building around that one gift. But I think you could take almost all the rest and plunk them in to a world and have them work without work, work together. Um, there would, um, um, there would actually be a whole line of laws, um, around thought crimes, because if you pluck somebody's pin number out of their head and use it to get into their bank account and rob them blind, you've, you know, you've committed two crimes. They might not be able to prove the mental one though. I mean, how do they prove that? You could say, well, you had the pin number. Well, if I got the pin number, I could have guessed the pin number. Maybe they wrote it down for me. Maybe somebody else wrote it down for me. <laughs> you know, so. Well, the thing is, how could you prove it, right? Well, the thing is, I would imagine another telepath could spot another telepath. It's like, well, okay, so you guessed their pin number, but you just so happened to be a telepath. Well, how, how do you know, know I'm a telepath? I don't, how, how do you know I'm a telepath? Because there's a telepath on the other side of the mirror. They're He's stronger telling than me you. You're a telepath. And they're and, they're, and I got their little voice right in my head. They don't even need an earwig that says that you're a telepath. So that's a really interesting coincidence that you somehow just managed to guess people's pin numbers without abusing your gift. I do think that they would there would eventually be laws about, you know, using and if if you're so I kinda like with sentinels and guides that if a sentinel's testimony is used in court, it, it has to be because um it has to be within the ramifications of the law. Did you have a search warrant? Um, what kind of search warrant would you need for a sentinel to sit outside a suspect's house? Would that be a wiretap? On the other hand, there would have to be provisions for the fact that a sentinel can't help what they just hear when they're walking down the street. Right. And if you're if you're dumb enough to be like you know beating your wife when a sentinel happens to be on the street, well, yeah, they broke down your door, but. You, you know, were beating your wife. <laughs> exigent circumstances. Don't be so noisy with your crimes next time. So, I mean, there would be provisions. So, but like in, um, I I mentioned this in um, just everything they said that like certain types of wolf guides and crow guides were not allowed to conduct interrogations, uh, or even question suspects at all because uh, you know it was eventually put to the Supreme Court that because um, they can compel people to tell the truth that they should that they should you know it was violating potentially violating people's civil rights or their right to you know against self incrimination to be questioned by that type of guide and so you would have to have a court order to get a crow guide or a wolf guide involved in an interrogation. And they might do that in the case of like a child abduction or something like that. There'd be special circumstances, but most, most of the time it was used after conviction. Like if they convicted a killer who had, where they had like missing bodies or something that once they were convicted, the court could then let these guys, guides compel them to tell the truth. They couldn't read their minds, but they could compel the truth from them. It could be. It's not even true. That right isn't even a guarantee in other countries. It's it's currently a guarantee in the United States, but it might not. It might not always be. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that you could have um, some. You could take away some of those basic rights, but I think you. I would have. I would want to be careful about making because you're already making things feel very unfamiliar. So you have to be careful about making things too unfamiliar, and you also need to be able to keep track of it. So the thing is, and I could honestly see them putting in something like a right against self-incrimination without considering the ramifications, because we do this all the time. 
we pass laws without considering the ramifications of them. So they could pass a law that people, they could put the right in that you have the right against to not incriminate yourself. And then someone, a lawyer, you know, challenges, oh my God, I just said lawyer like Kira does. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. <laughs> what did I say like that last night? Who was, I told you to take the wheel? Because it wasn't Jesus, it was something else. It was really funny. Oh, it was funny. Who did you say to take the wheel? What was that? Yondu. Yondu, take the wheel. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yondu, take the wheel. I almost fell out of my chair. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing my chair has arms, or I would have just rolled right off. Uh, so, <laughs> it, but... It, People they they could they could say okay here are your basic rights and not granted not not every country would have these same rights obviously but honestly you might have to think about would the countries exist exactly the same way I mean it'd be it'd be diff very different in the United States already so there's no telling what kind of um, bill of rights would even exist in the United States and what they would be and also um. You couldn't lie in court, because I imagine oh. a, a member, a, one member of every courtroom in America or on the planet, would be an empath who would sit there and say, "Lie, lie, lie, lie." lie. <laughs> Have a can, you, can you imagine if they tried, right? And like, because if you got fifteen percent of the population are empaths, at least on a low level, and somebody lies on the stand and like 15% of the heads shoot up and stare at them. Like, like everybody's heads on a pivot. And like, it's obvious that they don't even have to say it, that that person just lied. And the judge could just sigh and be like, I already do. You don't even tell me bail if I know. That's um, like, that's, that's one count of perjury. Would you like to add another? I would personally, if I committed a crime, I would not get on the, you could not, you could not make me get on the stand. <laughs> But you, but then that's where the somebody could have sued for the right to, that it could have been become very important the right not to self-incriminate. Somebody says, "Did you kill this person?" And you'd say, "I don't want to answer that question," which would be honest. Which but then it would also be saying that you did. Absolutely, you would definitely be saying you did, but you know, and you would get convicted for failing to answer. But so either way, you're screwed. Yeah, there is a difference between pointing out a lie and telling and, and, and compelling the truth. They wouldn't have to compel the truth. They would just have to point out every single lie they told. Right. Which is why the, the in in the Sentinel AU that I wrote about the where there were laws about compelling the truth, is that you had to have a special court order that had to be um, it was very difficult to get because it was considered like a the level of of power that those kinds of guides had was approach very cautiously in terms of people's right to like their own personal agency um i was you... reading some i was watching a t british tv show and they were it was a uk show um i said british didn't I? anyways it was a british crime drama and they were giving the suspect their um they were reading the suspect their rights um and they're they're their Miranda law was basically a little bit different than ours and ours is basically you have the right to remain silent you have the right to an attorney you have and everything you say can will be used you against you in a court of law um, there's some more stuff in there but in the in the UK when it was like if you say something if you do not say something wait how's it go but 
You do have to say anything, right? Thank you, Dark. But it may harm your defense if you do not mention when questioned something which you later rely on in court. Anything you do say may be used, may be given in evidence. So it's like if you decide, like halfway through your trial, or like, you know, like right, right before your trial, you want to claim you were crazy during this event. That that could actually harm your defense if you didn't say it in advance when you were talking to the cops. Is, is, is that is that what that means? It was a very interesting turn of phrase. That hey, th this is your opportunity right now to launch your defense, so you better get started. <laughs> it was it was very interesting and quite different than than the one we have in the United States. Um, but I would see that I would say that laws like that would be drastic would would, would have both drastic and minimal changes depending on the content. Um, and, and I would say that there were certain crimes that would be prosecuted very successfully 100% um, of the time um, um, if the culprit is caught, like uh, murder, um, rape, um, child abuse. I mean, these are you know emotionally charged crimes that it would be very difficult to get away with once you got caught. And I think in order to be a serial killer in a world like this, you would have to be really fucking smart. <laughs> really smart and probably have some degree of some sort of mental psionic ability that allows you to mask yourself. Yeah. That could be like one of the one of the kind of the gifts, maybe even a little, quite a, maybe a significant number of people have is that they're just able to build, build mental shields in their own mind. Um but like okay so i think one of the things we'd have to look at is how would the modern united states be different because most of our shows that people write in that you know are set in the set in the, set in the u.s not all obviously not all i'm not even trying to say that but most of the people who write like on rough trade usually do u.s-based fandoms majority of the big fandoms are u.s-based i know they're that's not true for the big anime fandoms but, or Harry Potter, but then Harry Potter would have an entirely different set of circumstances anyway. Yeah. So the makeup of the United States would be really different because you wouldn't have had the near genocide of the indigenous population, right? So either you would have had to go down the path of a better integration between the native population or, you know there'd have been like a havesies kind of thing, although maybe like a third, like, you mean now in subversive, I had everything North, so Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, all of that was, was where the, all the native Green Day were saying there wouldn't be the United States because the war wouldn't have been fought just because there wouldn't have been a drawn out war. What makes you think there wouldn't be a United States? The circumstances of the United States aren't weren't built on war; they were built on unfair taxation and re representation. That resentment and anger would have still built. How it came to be could have been different, but that doesn't mean it still wouldn't that we wouldn't exist as a country. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't go that far because I don't want to have to do that much world building. <laughs> I mean, it could have been a more polite departure, but I think you'd have still had the first thirteen colonies and all of that. Well, maybe. I mean, just because people are nicer doesn't mean that the government's not still going to be unfair. I mean, unfair taxation, unfair taxation and represent and lack of representation that could still exist, right? And they could have had an armed conflict just because it would make people deeply uncomfortable. 
Um, and actually, the more England fought against America's independence, I imagine the um, the rougher the circumstances would have got because um, the people who were deeply impacted by the hostility that was going on around them, they're going to have a fight or flight response. I mean, and it would be, and I imagine in some circumstances, uh, it could have gotten really ugly and out of hand. So consider also that in Europe, so let's say things, there have been, there've been fewer wars and wars have been shorter because it's traumatic to the populace, right? It's like they do it when they absolutely feel like they have to, but it's really traumatizing. So they're less, which means guess what there is more of in Europe? People. As many died. A lot of people. There'd be a lot more people. They might be, you might be perfectly happy to send those you know, people who are unhappy. Oh yes. Go explore. Go establish colony. Go yes, expand Britain across. But the then, then the thirteen colonies, which are probably bursting at the seams, are being unfairly taxed, not represented. There's resentment building, and that resentment would be would be building, building, building because they would be feeding each other that resentment, and they would want a relief from that resentment. And what it and what is that relief? Rebellion. Rick one, you're not. Fuck you. We're our own country now. And if you don't like it, come do something about it. And then Britain has to determine, okay, they said fuck you. Do we want to expand our resources to fight this? And they might not, because they might just be like, oh, they're, they're, we're just, because they're still dealing with probably too many people. And they're kind of like, well, and that actually could be part of the problem, right? Well, that could be part of, like, we'll let you go. But we're going to send you more people, and you have to take them. Otherwise, we're not putting up with you. Otherwise, they're going to be at war. And they could actually get a huge population infusion. A lot of people potentially die on the way over. Um, well, I think the biggest problem Britain would face would be crowding. Yeah. Because they're not going to have their horrible history with Scotland and Ireland and India. <laughs> and like probably like you know a lot of other countries. So... A large part I, of Africa. Um, I always, I always think of Eddie Izzard with, you know, no flag, no country. <laughs> but do you have a flag? <laughs> but do you have a flag? <laughs> we do now. But see, that's the thing. Like Britain would be weighing this. Okay, okay. We have all these people. You want your okay? You want to be your own country? Fine. You be your own country. Your price for that is that you have to accept all of these immigrants and all the criminals we don't send to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they go well we were thinking about letting georgia not be a penal colony any longer but now we're t we're taking that back <laughs> guess what georgia you're gonna suck for eternity <laughs> um georgia was a penal colony originally right these people coming from britain would be the kind of people that could land on the you know that could land here i mean and do their own hunting do their own farming. Yeah, I think that it would actually be, um, I think smallpox would probably still happen. Maybe not on purpose, um, but I think we would bring with them, that they would bring with them a lot of, um, a lot of problems. Um, I don't think, you know, America at that point uh, would probably be very bountiful in resources. But uh, I think that, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I imagine there would be, you know, there will be issues of, of, of minor vi you know, violence and there will be dark times. And there could be, you know, colonies that don't do well and think, and there could be some cannibalism. I mean, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, but some colonies could do better about dealing with like the Native Americans. There could be better integration. There could be some of them might not. Um, that could be a source of contention. Like, well, you know, but but especially if let's say that let's say the 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 Native Americans have a better way of and better they maybe they've done better because of the whole you know walking the spirit path and they're just a general philosophy of the, of the various cultures have done better at developing and adapting their gifts and that's part of what that appeals to maybe many of the early settlers and so maybe there's either better integration or they're working together more on uh, learning farming techniques that work in this world and their empathy would go a long ways Huge. because when you meet somebody and you don't speak their language there's lots of room for hostility or misunderstandings but when when you have two empaths come together who don't share a language but they share an emotional language um that's worldwide that would be an immense resource so things would happen very differently for good for good and bad I think that um, I agree with you, Ed, that it, most technological advances have come from war or not. I'm, but I really, say, necessity I'm, I'm, is the mother of modern invention. Yeah. I would say and many, war causes necessity. Oh, yeah, I'd say many, um, many technological advances have come from war. But, but the thing is, that's one of those details that I would hand wave away, that there wound up being necessity for other reasons, right? So. But see. We talked a long time ago, not a long time ago, a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, about the hierarchy of needs. Um, and once food and shelter is met um, and you get your emotional needs and you have your tribe, and then there's periods of enlightenment in human history that are the result of this. Um, imagine a world where your basic needs are being met because your neighbors can't stand for you to be hungry because they can feel it. Um and in periods of great enlightenment in our in our species, we um, we have prospered and we have gone to the moon. I don't think so we have less tech. We I mean, went from horse and buggy to on the moon, and you can't say that all of that is because of war. That's the human mind. That's the human mind expanding because it has all the resources that it's need that it needs. No, everybody wouldn't have to be psionic. And the reason is because you just have the potential that anybody could. Because humans are fundamentally selfish. And you would not treat and you would not impose laws upon people, upon this class of people, when you know there's a chance that it could be you next. That's just human nature. You just need it to be that it is random enough that they can't predict who it's going to be and that it could be anyone their their children or them and they wouldn't want to i mean it's that same dumb reason why why poor people don't want rich people to have to pay inheritance taxes just because they really think it might be them someday well the, the fact of the matter is is that this kind of um event in the 1500s could have enlightenment could have come sooner yeah and i think for um, maybe not it might not have for all Da Vinci was trying to have manned flight. The manned flight is not this. yeah. Yeah, manned flight is not the 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 on um, the birth of of modern warfare. Um so if you give humanity room to grow and expand and you give 
them other minds. We talk about creativity and how you are more creative in an environment where there are other people being creative. Yes, World War II and the Cold War greatly influenced our, our path to the moon, but it wasn't like that wasn't already on our agenda. There were, there were people dreaming about going to the moon, landing on the moon before World War II. Before World War One, right? There's something where we'd be if the Library of Alexandria hadn't been burned, if Rome hadn't fall, fell. I mean, enlightenment doesn't have to be based on war. That is our human experience now, but wouldn't it be beautiful if we had a different experience? That if we sought travel to the moon because it's beautiful and we want to do it, and we look out there and we see what's what we and we see what's there, and we when we want to touch it. Wouldn't that be gorgeous? I think the thing potentially the most potentially impacted by, uh, of the different areas of technology that war impacts, I think the most potential thing to lag behind is medical science. But I think even the short wars would encourage advancements. And maybe, I mean, if you wanted to have one thing that was particularly hard hit about this change it could be the advancement of medicine but i just personally wouldn't want to have medical science lagging behind because of this it's it's, there's a couple there's some details i would just go okay i'm gonna have to hand wave it away because do you want your your character not to be able to survive childbirth or to survive a gunshot wound yes war definitely spurned medical advancement but wouldn't the deaths that like and the unnecessary deaths that, that take their toll on the psionic plane also advance medical science. I think the motivation if people are saying, not, Hey, not the more die, people yeah. die unnecessarily, the more unstable the psionic plane becomes. So we need to start working on this. We need to figure out how smallpox happens. We need to figure out how polio happens. We need to figure out why women are dying in childbirth. We need to fix this because it becomes it becomes an issue of stability, um, of stability, not about war, but about um, about feeling the grief of your neighbor as their child dies of polio. Mm-hmm. I do. I think. I just think that it would be. I think of the things that I think the technology is most affected by war, I think medicine, you'd have to, you potentially have to really put some thought into why did those, but like, you know, like one of the, one of the inventions that came out of war are sanitary napkins. I think we'd have eventually gotten there on our own. Yeah. I don't think we would have, we needed a war. Tampons were originally used to plug bullet holes. I think ladies would have probably figured that out. We already had actually, we were using grass. We'd have moved on. Yeah. We've, we would have eventually figured out that, there was a better way. <laughs> so I don't think we needed the war to fix that. Um, you know, but like the cotton gin wasn't invented because of war. Not really. Right. They needed a better way to harvest cotton. So there are, there are things that I think technology, clearly innovation happens that has nothing to do with war. You just need to, you know, you you, you have to come up with a different impetus for saying, okay, this thing still happened, but it happened for a reason other than plastic surgery existed, you know, came about some people, because people are still getting hurt. And maybe you could say that's the one thing that isn't as far advanced now as it is in real life is maybe plastic surgery hasn't moved along as far because plastic surgery is really, is heavily tied to a lot of people being injured, right? 
-hmm. And you might not have that if you don't have as many wars, but it could be that it is a field of research, right? So, um, your military structure would be different. Military mm -hmm. forces would be smaller. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of countries who spend a great deal of money on, um, the military would probably convert to spend more money then in a world like this on um, researching psionics, uh, researching um, that that's how your medical advancement could happen, actually, because these countries are not spending money on um, war machines. They're spending money on medical advancement instead. Mm hmm. So I think you but so then when you're like, let's OK, so let's say dig into like a your world looks different. So in the United States, I would think you would have some city names that would be different. So at first you'd have to decide, did, did, the, did, the, did the indigenous peoples eventually double bird us because we were like stubborn motherfuckers and all go west? Or is there a bit more integration? It's like, it's just, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of people who live in the U.S. It's not just, you know, it was never just a bunch of white people in power. Um, and so once you make that decision, because that that affects you know the landscape of what your what your society looks like, because if you've got better integration, you might have different some different city names. Um, Seattle might not be on the west coast; still could be. You never know. Um, but it, it, but you know you could try to keep things as close as possible, but you need to account for some differences. And then you go, okay, with well, a smaller military. So let's say you're working with. Um, Let's say you're doing a Tony story. He probably wouldn't be with NCIS. It's like, let's say he did go into law enforcement. There probably, there, you could argue there might be one law enforcement agency for all of the armed services, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, he might work for the Department of the Inspector General because that's maybe where all law enforcement for the, for the military is under the Inspector General for the Department of Defense handles all of it. And honestly, uh, there would probably just be like two branches. Yeah. Army and Navy. Navy and Air Force. Navy and Air Force. I mean, well, I think I think you got to make Navy the, and Army. Like, uh, uh, Navy and Army and the, and the Air would be in the Navy. Navy launched off of ships. Yeah. Navy and Army. Well, but you could also have Army pilots, right? Cuz you know, if anything that's launched from the ground is maybe coming from the Army and anything that's launched from ships is is Navy. And then of course you might have a Coast Guard. Mhm. Mm NASA would have a hell of a lot more money. Yeah, absolutely. NASA could probably be the biggest expenditure for the United States. Because our population is booming. And we're looking for other places to put them. Like, it worked in the past. I mean... We're out of room. Okay. Because that's actually well, a really good... That's a really good reason for space exploration right there. Because all those people didn't die in all those wars. And now we, we, we're out of room. Well, realistically, you'd have population control. Yes. There'd probably be like a two-child limit or something in, in modern society. And and it could be that there would be... Honestly, you'd also then have to look up, look up because of the empathy issue, right? There'd be being gay or anywhere on the sexuality spectrum would be a lot more acceptable. So a lot more people would be willing to admit that they're at least on the spectrum. So you could have a society that is admittedly you know, 10% on either end of the binaries and the other 80% are somewhere on the scale. Mm. So maybe it's not uncommon for somebody to have 
of you know maybe most people would be some degree of bisexual so but um, i would not want to have the i would not want to write inches it under the concept the forced population control because i read an article about that national geographic ones coming out of china and i no it's gross no 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 um no I mean, I would. Um, to, I think. I think you have to find try to find a way to write it where it's sort of like. But I would think people would understand that it would be. You know, you're expected to be on birth control until you're ready to have a kid. And I imagine birth control would be a lot more advanced as well. Probably male. There on there. There would probably even be male birth control. Um, yeah. Available. So this would be another way that, that medical science could actually advance. That they would try to cut down accidental pregnancy and they'd be like, okay. Because, I mean, it, I mean, it, I would think that if you want to have a compassionate society, you'd be like, okay, you get two. If there accidents happen, it happens. But there would be like a, maybe like a review or something about like, how did this accident happen? I mean, you can have your baby, but how did it happen? But you can't have 13. We, we, we have not quite figured out how to settle the moon yet. And even once we do, you still won't be able to have 13 because we can't fill up the moon. What are we going to do then? <laughs> Yeah, but when you've got a planet overflowing with people, what choice do you have? I mean, at some point, if if you're facing population issues, you have to say no. You can't. You have to put a slowdown on kids, even if it seems intrusive and obnoxious. That's just reality. It's just if you want to write it in a compassionate way, you don't take. I mean, you just kind of go, okay, birth control is mandatory, and you know you have to tell your doctor when you're. Pregnancy has to be deliberate. You eliminate an accidental pregnancy. You tell your doctor when you're planning to have a kid and it's handled. I'm not sure how that's. It's not as freewheeling as we've got now, but it's not unreasonable either. I mean, I when you've hate. got a planet that. I mean, just think about how people who died in World War II, if they did not die in World War II. I mean, you're talking, honestly. We're at what seven point one right now billion, Lady Holder. You uh, you were looking up those numbers, right? Yeah, but you're thinking about a world where the government, the government like today, driving population control, and we're talking about the government that delivered, that developed through this whole process, driving population control. So don't conflate the two, because this is a fictional world where the there you can theoretically have a more compassionate government, and people would agree with this policy for the most part. That I mean, you, you you should be having that many kids. I mean, I would say conservatively that currently we're sitting at 7.87. Without the genocide, more than one, um, and brief wars, uh, I would say that it would not be unreasonable to say we would have double the population we currently have. Unless... So 14 unless billion but they could have put population they could have put population control on a long time ago like whoa no you can't have a bunch of kids um but there could also be people who you know if there are more if more gay couples but the thing is be, being gay Alexander goes the corner <laughs> being gay doesn't mean that you don't want kids of course so um but if if it's part you I mean i i think that anybody listening to this if if you go on birth control, if if, it, if it's part of the standard thing, you know, part of the standard package, once you achieve, you know, physical maturity, if that's the deal, it, you you can figure out what the ripples of that are, right? The accidental pregnancy would be 
eliminated practically. It wouldn't be entirely eliminated. So I assume there'd be the occasional failure. Someone is such a special snowflake that, you know, the birth controls don't work for them, but you would have accidental pregnancy kind of eradicated. Not that I'm saying that accidental pregnancy needs to be eradicated, but in this kind of world, you would not want a lot of accidental pregnancy. You would want people deciding I'm going to have a family. And I think one of the things that might even happen, potentially you could write this in, is that if the population, if, if there's a lot of pressure of a too much population, it could be that psionic energy even removes some of that reproductive urge. It kind of maybe tamps it down a little bit. It's but like, also you okay. need to keep in mind that birth control as we have it today is actually quite new. So depending on, I mean, just saying like in the 1700s, oh, hey, you can only have two kids. Well, but there could be more gay couples in the 1700s in this world. Could and they could, they, could adopt, they could adopt the extra children. The medical science would probably advance a little faster in this area, but oral contraceptives are not that old um we still don't have male oral co um, contraceptives um although i think there is one in progress it's just not been approved well they stopped working on it for a while didn't they because men couldn't deal with the side effects bless their hearts right <laughs> but i mean you might have gotten condoms a little bit faster a little bit sooner for couples who anal sex might have been more of a thing um i mean you just there's all kinds of ways society would have adapted to it's too crowded because people would not want have wanted children that they weren't going to be able to take care of right because i don't think i don't think you'd want to write a society to take the kids away and put that kind of trauma on a family but especially in a society that's more empathic right um so, but you might have a case of where they have to put their children up for adoption because they just don't have a way to, to care for them. So I think couples would seek ways to avoid accidental pregnancy, even in a world without birth control. So whether it would be, you know, I'm actually not going to go into that, that, but, um, I would honestly gloss it over this. If, if, I, if I was writing it, I wouldn't even mention it because I wouldn't want to talk about it. <laughs> But you know, but I mean, I think, in the chat room that really made me stop and go, what? Okay, hold on. But when you say that people people don't have to understand how big the world, how crowded the world is, they just need to understand how crowded their town is. And if there's not enough food in their town to feed their current population, that's a problem. If they go I mean, to the grocery store and everything's gone because all their neighbors bought it. I this is one of those things is if we're the re if is if the ripples are if 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 you can't get your head around the ripples and it strains your suspension of disbelief, don't write it, don't read it. That's all there really is to say. Someone said, okay, I want I'm not gonna say your name. There would be less sexual relations if biological need for re reproduction decreased. No, <laughs> no, honey, uh, no, oh, oh no, I I. I fucked a lot as a young woman. Um, and I can guarantee you not a single one of those events before the age of 30 was for reproduction. I had no interest in it, but I wanted to fuck a lot. And it had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with getting a baby. In fact, every month I got my period, I celebrated. I had a period dance in my bathroom. <laughs> Every single month. <laughs> and then one day I told I was told I couldn't have kids and I stopped dancing. So <laughs> but that's a that's that's the sad part. But the but the point I'm making is is that mo a lot of people fuck who don't ever want children. So it's not a reaper I mean, 
there we have and orgasms there, for a reason and there's a lot of fucking in 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 relationships people do have children that has nothing to do otherwise once you get pregnant you would stop banging you know it and people who are pregnant keep having sex matter of fact their sex drives increase for a time so um and two dudes hitting it they're not trying to get pregnant either <laughs> i mean unless they got a breeding king and even then that's just a fantasy right <laughs> I mean, sexual sexual mores could be very different in the sense that, like, you got a married couple's like, I can't, we can't have any more kids back in the 1800s. He might have a male lover and she might have a female one. It's like, well, you know, we, I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you, but I need to get off and I don't, I can't risk another kid. We're apparently very fertile. So, <laughs> you so let's ask that. so and so to move in. <laughs> they're they're and single, you and you know they can help take care of the kids we've already got. <laughs> species propagation i don't know how much of human sexuality is based on propagation though i mean i think species who um there are certain species who obviously mate exclusively for um reproduction but humans don't seem to be one of them that that's what i'm getting at is that um but see and then you know if if people are fucking then accidental pregnancies can happen so even without the desire to get pregnant you still would have some of you most people a lot of people not most but a lot of people would still want to fuck um and accidents happen <laughs> my name is kira and i'm an accident <laughs> so you have to decide <laughs> you see dark uh-huh. crazy so you have to decide when is what is your what is your makeup of your Arate, like, what you is, go to the corner but just for that quoted part i can't <laughs> well social grease was not the way to phrase it i can how do you say that bonobos 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 so for the podcast Arate says one of the our closest eight relatives what again? I already lost it. Bonobos. Bonobos. Use sex as social grease for running their societies. Well, we pretty much do that too, don't we? Yeah, we do. But please don't ever call it social grease again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to call it, but let's not. <laughs> anyway, this kind of AU may not be a, might may not be for everybody. It may be that it challenges your su- suspension of disbelief too much. Um, but the, when you're doing, when you're thinking, when you're working as an author and you're wanting to write an AU like this, you do the best you can to address the issues of how society came to be, and you do kind of have to hand wave some things away. So, like realistically, if you want to be absolutely realistic in a world like this you wouldn't have probably the same exact number of states in the United States. You probably wouldn't have the, the, and they certainly, the ones that do exist would not have come about in the exact same circumstances. Right. Um, I think there would be drawn differently. Yeah. Um, I think there probably would not have been a civil war. The push West still would have probably happened. I agree. There wouldn't have been a civil war. The push West would have still happened. So you'd have had a booming population much earlier. You probably actually would have had the push West sooner. Um, well, but actually, the funny thing about what was just said, somebody said it's interesting, it's just way more, they're way more cynical about humanity than we are, is actually the premise of the world is based upon cynicism about humanity, which is that the reason why this is, would work is because fundamentally people are selfish and they would protect each other in case they're ever one of the ones who's a psychic. 
that's based upon a fundamental cynicism. So, but anyway, um, it may We're not going to fuck you up in case we end up like you. Right. So, it, But if it strains your credulity too much, it, it, it may not work for you. But it's just, in this case, where the things I would hand wave away, right? Because I would not actually want to deal with different names for different states or having 49 states or having, you might actually have extra states. In this case, Puerto Rico might full on be a state. Guam might be a state. So you could have more states, actually. But I would probably just fluffy. It, um, I would I would probably hand wave away and just kind of go you know author hand wave of destiny. We still have the same states; they're in approximately the same place, but societal makeup looks good. It I don't think it actually is all that utopian ish. Um, there would still be stressors, right? The thing is, we're only talking about how it got to the point that it works, but there would be the stressors of too much population, which is something we can look to like China for the what the stress of that looks like. We just don't have, we have a little bit of that pressure here, but we don't have it like they do in China. So um, what if, okay, Green Amber says, what if a bunch of non-psychics in the government got together and tried to eradicate all the psychics? Well, that would be a, a really stupidly irrational, right? Because it isn't like all the psychics that are ever going to exist exist right now. Yeah. And they can't actually stop the psionic plane from leaking all over the planet. And then if they kill them all, they're just actually going to produce more. Based upon this theory, yeah. Based upon our theory of what the psychics are... But if you want to write something dystopian, go write something dystopian. I don't actually have any particular investment in that. But please stop trying to talk me out of my fluffy, apparently. <laughs> Since I'd primarily be writing this in kind of a crime drama where there would be crimes to solve, I wouldn't actually write a fluffy story, even if society kind of felt fun of fluffy. But if it puts you off, go write your dystopian fic. I don't care. Um, anyway, so if you've got a... Um, Let's pick let's pick a character and talk about how they would be in this world and what would we do with them. Okay. Let's do let's do John and Rodney. What are they what are they doing in this world? Because their world it would be very different. Does the Stargate exist? Did they find the Stargate? Is that actually if you're doing a Stargate AU in this kind of in this kind of world? Um is it as secret a program? Are people encouraged by the opportunity that they might find other planets that are not because honestly the psionic plane leak would have happened everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, that actually raises some interesting yeah. questions. Why isn't the race eating everybody causing? That actually could have some really interesting ramifications. But what if, what if the issue is, is that the sheer number of death all at once, like everything everywhere potentially puts little stressors on the psionic plane. What if it was that sheer number hitting the psionic plane all at once causes it to leak all over, even though the rift is actually in China? And what if that had some really negative impact on the race? Like, what if their ability to feed is based upon, what if they're drawing the life energy out, cyanic energy out, right? Okay, so let's set that aside for a second. Let's figure out the race well, part. They of do that, and, and uh, I'm in Sentinels of Atlantis, and one of the reasons why they can't feed on Sentinels and Guides is because they use their psionic energy. Right. Okay, so let's figure out the ramifications of the race later, because you could actually do quite a few different things i think with it but so let's say john and rodney i think rodney you have a good case for him being drawn into this kind of program it could even be more of a, a 
I mean, you could make the case it's a somewhat public program, right? That they've found the ability to, you know, explore other planets, but we're working on it. They still might keep it secret. It just depends. Um, if, because the Gould might already have been overthrown, right? When the rift happened, they may not even be in power anymore. So it may be no problem that we're making contact with the rest of the universe because, so there may not have been all the angst in the Stargate program because, um, it, what if the Jaffa all started getting gifts, psychic gifts, and they knew, not all of them, but like 15%, um, started getting these kinds of gifts. Um, and they're like, these aren't gods. We've been to the psionic plane. You're not there. Uh, and they overthrow them. I mean, they have the numbers, right? So what if for hundreds of years the Goulds haven't been in, in power? Um I'm not sure if Kira's doing something or I muted myself. But I was after talking, it. I was muted. <laughs> okay, we'll talk again. Okay, so what if um, one of the reasons why the gold no longer um, exists is that they cannot coexist with psionic, um, active psionic energy? And I mean, it would probably have killed a lot of Jaffa, actually, the rift opening. Um, because the ones that were carrying symbiotes. Until they could figure out how to live without them. Um, it. Uh, and they would have had hundreds of years to advance their society and their healing and then fixing their problems, right? Too. And even the hosts were able to expel the goal because the goal could not exist with them. So they're gone completely. But we've taken the goal out of the equation. But so. Power loves a vacuum. So that doesn't mean there wouldn't be some fucked up asshole out there being a problem. And try and using the technology potentially because then you got the Jaffa who have control of all the Google technology, which a lot of it was some of it was ancient technology. Um, well, I the way I perceive psionic energy is that any rift affects everything, it, it's not just it's like even if it, um, um, the pour out is not, uh, it doesn't move through space in a very in a literal way. But in the end, you know, that is for you to decide when you yeah. are crafting um, your particular story, you can decide how far it spread. Is it in Pegasus? Did it spread over the universe? Is it just the Milky Way? Is it just our solar system? Is it just our planet? If we, if humans are living on Mars, um, Do are there new instances of people who... Yeah. Or yeah. Do the people on Mars cease to be affected? Um, I mean, you've you got to figure that stuff out in which way you want to go once you introduce other planets. If you're just working on Earth, you don't really have to deal with it. But once you introduce other planets, you got to figure that stuff out. I'd probably go with the you know the breach um, affecting the universe. Um, it's a lot to figure out if you're doing something like Stargate, but I think it's a lot more interesting because then the Stargate program is not encountering the program to the t point that like John joined it has not been at all about what it was originally. So maybe it's always been about exploration because they didn't ever encounter the Gould who are trying to you know subdue them and subjugate them. So maybe they've encountered some other people. And if people. it's always been about exploration, then it is, it is probably not a big secret. I don't know how it could be actually in a world like this. Um, just like I don't think it's actually a secret and Sentinels are known. It's like the Sentinels are like, yeah, we know all about your shit. 
<laughs> yeah, we we're not going to tell anybody, but we know. Um, and the only thing those who don't know are the ones who don't live anywhere near it. And if they wanted to know, they could. I like uh, that's like when um, Jim and uh, Sentinels of Atlantis. He lived in Cascade, and so when he got ready to be read in on what the Stargate program was, he let the president know that he heard about it and he'd like to be told the facts. <laughs> So I imagine that, you know, the Stargate would actually be a a pretty big resource for the world because you'd be fine. They, they could, we could spread out and population control wouldn't be an issue anymore. If that's a problem that you see in this, that you would not want to um, even, even hint to explore to that people willing to move to other planets would have an opportunity to have more children if they wanted them. Yeah, which it, it could have been that they've already even, depending upon when, when they intersect with the Stargate program, program, it could be that people have already started integrating on other planets who just find the United States too crowded. They're tired of that kind of living. I think it'd be a worldwide effort. I mean, I think that yeah, if you wanted yeah. to, uh, there would be like a colonization. Because, hey, you know, we're going to send this expedition to this planet. Um, and then maybe John and Rodney come together because they're recruited for Pegasus, the first expedition to Pegasus. Because they found the coordinates to what they think is Atlantis. Well, we know that Catherine tried, and it was a failure. Um, and they didn't actually get it to work again until Daniel Jackson figured out the cover stone. So you could probably leave that intact if you wanted to, and not just 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 to give yourself a, a pretty good foundation. Yeah, because I, mean, I think if they failed, they could have just like mothballed it because I think well, we can't figure it out. So we're not going to put a lot of money into this when we can't figure out what the hell this thing is or what it does. Because I think I'm sure if they knew that it created wormholes to other planets, that they would keep working on it. But they wouldn't know what it does. And maybe Daniel Jackson comes along and he figures it out. And then you get the events of Abydos, um, which would be very different because they wouldn't meet Raw. Um. Yeah, it could be a very peaceful encounter. Um, and they come back. I mean, they'd still have some, te some stress getting back because it would take them time to find the coordinate for Earth. Um, then the program. So the program launches. You could actually kind of argue, and Daniel stays behind like he does in canon. But they keep working. But th they know that Daniel stayed behind on purpose. He's staying behind with his wife. And they promise to check back and let him know how it advances as they figure stuff out. And, the and program... maybe he contacts them and says, hey, I figured it out. <laughs> oh, bitches. Um, come see me. And so then the Stargate program actually doesn't have those few years of stagnation. Um, Rodney, with, with what he, with his interests and his uh, smarts, would probably be a, a shoe-in to work in the Stargate program. He would probably seek, he would, you know, be actively competing with other brilliant minds to work in that program and get selected of course because he's the smartest man in two galaxies and um quite this is the, the question becomes i think rodney's a pretty easy trajectory the question then becomes john because we got to get his fluffy haired idiot in the right spot i think that john's a lucid dreamer okay um Medium sense of um, empathy and psychic projection. He's a mixed bag. None of the talents are particularly profound. And they don't know why. But he's got a lot of little ones and they're like, I don't understand you. But then he has the ATA gene and they're like, what's that? 
go, we got to figure this out. And maybe, and maybe Jack O'Neill is the same way. And maybe they realize that all these ATA gene carriers have a little bit of everything, but not a whole lot of anything. Um, um, in Intuitive, one of the things that eventually comes out about Tony, which obviously Intuitive is very, it's a, it's an emergent story. It's not a, it's not a, you know, a little black dress at you kind of thing. It is, um, is that Tony is what they, he's their first, what they call it, and their first Intuitive. That's why the story is called that. It's because he can move between the gifts without constraint, because his mind is not channeled in any one particular direction. So, like, usually when the psionic energy affects people, when those gifts affect people, it's like their brain only channels, can only channel one, on, on kind of on one wavelength. Um, to, 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 so that's why they're only empathic, or they're only telepathic, or they're only um, clairvoyant, or they only do um, remote viewing, or whatever. They only have one way they can channel their gift. But Tony's mind is different. He's not constrained in that way. So, he doesn't even recognize he's using whichever gift most suits him, which is why sometimes he's empathic and sometimes he can see visions about what's about to happen. Um, I mean, maybe telekinesis could actually be his, his real talent and he's not really aware of it yet. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, that could be interesting. Hmm. Um, or be, maybe the ATA gene allows their, what if the ATA gene, that little that little bit of difference in them, that if maybe affects the way their brains are wired, and maybe they don't understand this yet, but that he just has to pick which one he wants to develop. That the energy kind of is like drifting around. He can kind of channel it however he wants, but he could have if he wants to focus and choose one path to to go it on. He could, and maybe it's under some sort of duress that he is able to figure out that he can channel it in one particular direction. The storm. Yeah. That that asshole in the gate room is torturing Rodney. And Rodney is probably pretty high on the empathy scale. Mm-hmm. Which he might hate. He yeah, might I hate. think he would hate it. But I think um, maybe some kind of um, maybe some offshoot of telekinesis or some kind of technology um, Maybe it's like, maybe one of the gifts like um, has kind of like maybe one of the psychic gifts has started to um, shift and change with humanity, and um, that there are people like Rodney who um, who are especially gifted with technology, like mm-hmm. some kind of technopath, like techno- maybe technopath. Yeah, yeah. What if? Oh, and so Rodney is being tortured in the gate room, and John's um, John's psionic John's psionic energy kind of solidifies. As 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 what? Um, what would be most beneficial to him in that moment? In that moment, probably. Oh, well, honestly, if he could figure out how to use the energy as a weapon like energy projection that would probably be the most most beneficial but it would depend upon remote viewing remote viewing would be very useful but if Atlant- but if Atlantis is living 
and she's under such immense threat, and Rodney is being tortured. But they haven't been able to talk to her because she doesn't have enough power. So what if in that moment, I mean, I think that they all know that she's sentient, or uh, at least sentient, and they but they can't reach her because she doesn't have enough power. Um, but what if in that moment he he reaches out to her with telepathy, and that's what solidifies in his bot, you know, um, um, in in his psionics, that's what solidifies because he needs her more than he has since he set foot on the city. He needs her to help him, so he reaches out for her, um. And just it just booms. It just it's there, you know. And it allows him to. She realizes what they're trying to do because of her link with John, and she starts repairing what she can of the grounding stations so that they can launch the shield. And he does he does his thing. Yeah, I like that. And after he gets finished killing all those people and rescuing his scientists. Um, Rodney can ask him, he goes, you know, so, um, before everybody comes back, you might want to figure out how to tone down this glowing thing you're doing. What? (laughs) You're glowing. Like a little firefly. (laughs) Tone it down. Because, like, maybe the psionic energy is what makes the ancients glow when they're getting ready to ascend. Oh yeah, you're like tone, tone it down, you shiny little motherfucker. <laughs> the fluffy hair was bad enough. You don't got to be shining too, and um, it's because of his uh, he's tapped into his his um his ancient genetics and um his psionic gifts at the same time. It's it's all kind of come together and solidified, and now you know he's something a little different. Ed says, are those tentacles I'm seeing or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> Edie. John does not have tentacles. He has one. He has one. Too. <laughs> no, it is not a tentacle. Don't even go down that path. I got some weird mental visual. Does it have a life of its own? What does it do? Is it going to come out unexpectedly? Maybe. I'm having a really hard time with my words tonight. Um... I know a terrible joke about an elephant's um, trunk in relation to that that I I will not share. Thank you. On the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But it it involves a baked potato. She's going to share it after the podcast. She doesn't call it getting it recorded. I actually started one of my um, my fluff bingo prompts with the fluffy haired idiot is back <laughs> was back, <laughs> but I changed it because so I was like I was going to do this a this um, kind of AU where Rodney was on vacation and his neighbor kept jogging up and down the beach and Rodney couldn't figure out why this asshole um, this fluffy haired idiot was actually exercising on his vacation. Well, John's is John isn't on vacation; he lives there. And Rodney's yeah. actually renting his house. <laughs> <laughs> Is your prompt walk on the beach? It was, but I changed that to a different one. Mm. So um, you actually could. You don't have to go to all of this effort to write a 
you know, a psychic AU, you could just like overlay it on top of your fandom as it exists, but I don't think it's going to resonate as true. Um, if you don't figure out what the ramifications on the world would have been. But you could. I mean, you could just, you know, have your character, you know, Tony Dinoza still works at NCIS. Uh, he went through his life exactly the same way, and all of a sudden he is, you know, clairvoyant. I mean, you could do that. And that's honestly how most Sentinel and Guides of, um, our known universes are. When we know for a fact that if that had always existed, that the world would be very different. Yeah. But the premise of this is to create a concept like the Sentinel and Guide concept that can be overlaid of, of a traditional fandom. Well, if you're going to overlay it on a traditional fandom without all of this additional world stuff, I think that you do just kind of have to hand wave away the, the big changes to world history. Or just not mention them. <laughs> yeah just not mention them and just you just hope the reader can suspend their disbelief that ncis still exists exactly the same way the stargate program exists exactly the same way even though they're psychics it actually the stargate program becomes really implausible if there are people there if there are psychics running around who can get visions of it right it's that's like, yeah, um, that's actually not a secret. So if you guys would just stop trying to just, 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 just come out of the mountain, it's okay. <laughs> I keep getting visions of this wormhole in Cheyenne Mountain. Why am I dreaming about that? Is there a wormhole? And they could ask, is there a wormhole in Cheyenne Mountain? Is this a thing? There's whole blogs dedicated to it. So tonight I dreamed. And Carla looks really cute in her new uniform. I have to say. Apparently, the um, is anybody else shipping Jackson and O'Neill, or is it just me? <laughs> I don't think these are real people. Are you doubting my gift? <laughs> so, you could, if you wanted to, just you could just overlay it, you know, you absolutely could, where you just, you know, drop it on top of. I actually find the psychic one of the potential of some of the potential tropes we've talked about. I do think the psychic one is one of the hardest for me to feel like it's plausible. Just drop down exactly on the world the way it is. Um, probably because of my own experience with writing a psychic emergency AU where I had a really hard time without like writing, you know, with government experimentation and persecution and all those shenanigans. I don't like writing that stuff. It's very dark. What 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 I would do personally to to use this concept is to lay it gently over my chosen canon, um, and reference briefly uh, world building aspects to give it some foundation. So it would be like you know. There would be a background organization like the Sentinel and Guide Center um, to for um, to manage resources to um, you know, like educational resources um, and to um, to give people who have abilities refuge in times of crisis, kind of like a Sentinel and Guide. Uh, you could reference shorter wars. Um, due to empathy, um, 
mass changes in psychiatric care due to empathy and psycho and 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 telepathy and and you know new psychiatry um mm -hmm. um and you can do this in small like little small spaces here and there just to give your reader a hint that the world that they're reading about isn't exactly the same as what you're they're used to the same way you wouldn't sentinel guide at you mm -hmm. so you don't have to think about all the things that happened or didn't happen um and your reader doesn't have to go on a rabbit hole you know it's like you could go full on into Tony working at a different agency and um, the Stargate program exists and everybody knows about it. And the United States is very crowded and they've already started offloading people to other planets. You could go full on that, like go full in on that kind of direction. I think it'd be fine. Or you could just, as Kira says, like do a more gentle overlay onto your fandom where you basically leave your fandom intact and you count on your readers suspending their disbelief about things like NCIS still existing and the Stargate. I don't see how you actually you could have a Stargate uh, AU, a, a, a psychic AU with the Stargate is a secret because... No, I don't either. Mm, I would not put psychics. the Stargate in it um, if, if I was going to write it like an NCIS or Hawaii Five-O. Um, Mothership is very appealing here. Um, mm. uh, and if you... I mean, Tony could be Tony could be clairvoyant who gets a vision of something bad about to happen to Steve's SEAL team or something. Oh know. no, or Steve, for Steve's dad. Maybe he oh, met John yeah. McGarrett. Maybe he met John McGarrett when, when he, he was, was twelve. 12. <laughs> when he was twelve. And he thought fondly of him and he has a um what'd you call it? Uh, what'd you call it? His event? The event? How would he see Joe? I'm uh, John. Oh, uh, either some kind of clairvoyant vision, some kind of either, yeah, probably clairvoyant or remote viewing. It could be remote viewing, but I would think clairvoyance would be better. So, like a second sight. So, not really precognition. He would see as it as it's happening. Yeah, clairvoyance doesn't. Clairvoyance is is perceiving things outside the normal human senses. That uh, you could argue that uh, typically through visions, you could argue that precog could be a subset of that, but it. it they're, they're not synonymous um so he could be clairvoyant and he could get visions of what's going on with john um and then yeah or you so could do like he is going about his job and he gets a flash of john mcgarrett and then he gets another flash and he realizes he's seeing john mcgarrett being held hostage Maybe they've exchanged a couple, a couple of phone calls a year since he was little. Not mm -hmm. anything extreme, not anything that would put him too far off his path. Because you don't want John to have too much influence over him if you want to keep him where he is, right? Um, and so he calls the HPD and says, he rattles off his name, his rank, um, maybe his ID for whatever foundation he, you know, the psychic thing i imagine they would have some kind of ranking system and you know so that the cops would take him seriously and say you've got a retired police officer being held hostage in his home this is his address his name is john mcgarrett you need to get out there right now and then they would go and then steve wouldn't lose his daddy true yeah that'd be good and then tony goes john goes you know tony's like i'm on my way are you okay they talk on the phone he says okay i'm on my way to hawaii and then steve turns up when tony's there and magic happens. All the magic happens. All the mothership All the magic. magic that could possibly happen happens. Like, I did not. You're finally home after all this time, son, and you're banging Tony? Is that... <sighs> Go stay in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and I can't, we can't leave you unprotected. You're, believe me, the amount of time you two are spending in that bedroom, I'm feeling pretty unprotected. So you might as well go to a hotel. Save my poor ears. I mean, you know, I don't think a kidnapping could possibly happen in, the, in this kind of world with this kind of um, ability because I don't think that somebody with that kind of intent could get on to a maternity ward. Yeah, I agree. And he or she sure as hell would she it would have to have been a she um, sure as hell couldn't have gotten out of the hospital with an infant. So because her so, duplicity would be projecting in front of her. Yeah. So remember I said that it, it, it's my headcanon in every universe where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. This would be one of those universes where it does not make sense for Tony to be a shepherd. If so I either him he is Alex Shepherd or he is Tony Dinozo. He could not be a stolen baby. Right. It wouldn't that that and entertained as I am by it and um it it wouldn't work in this in this AU if I wanted him to be Tony and, and to mothership again. Because if he's if he's Alex, he's not gonna have met John. Right. So this, this See, he has to be that. Tony he has to be Tony Dinozo to meet John McGarrett. Yeah. But I could make him Alex Shepard when he meets Tony Stark because, you know Yeah. Then I don't have the two Tonys. Because <laughs> you know how I feel about that. <laughs> Tony Tony. It's difficult. It's Tony. It's Tony. Tony. It's, Tony. It's a nightmare. It's difficult. So you know you can do as much or as little as you want, just like you can in a Sentinel God AU. Um, and a lot of times in a Sentinel God AU, I've seen them dig in, and just create. I mean, we've seen the ramifications of that in um the the, the Sentinel fandom with the what's it called the GPD GD, GDP guide GDP. G guide something something I I don't know I try to um, which was a slave AU for guides um, and so this kind of concept you can take it as far as you want you can lay it gently on top and your reader will want to suspend their disbelief just like they do when they read Sentinels and Guides they want to believe it they don't want to think about the consequences of the ramifications of it give me a link for that Dart because I, I meant to click it earlier, but I didn't. But I do have a question about odd bodies. Do they put the Ripper on a plane? <laughs> I think GDP stands for like guide development something, but I'm not 100% sure. I can't actually find it. I don't... I've never read it because it had too many rapey overtones. I have a hard time reading Anne McCaffrey because of the homophobia. I mean, she wasn't as bad as her son, but she wasn't great either for that. Okay, so with, uh, with your AU, with your with your psychic AU, um, I do think it is one of the of the potential psychic tropes that is actually one of the harder ones. To, not psychic tropes, little black dress tropes that would be a, probably maybe even the hardest to deal with. I honestly think magic would be easier to deal with than psychics. Magic um, realism. Or just magic. I've, I've changed. I've changed the art for this podcast because I think this would be fun to do it with a, with a different concept. So I've actually made this one um, instead of making out a fandom and junk. I've made it its own kind of thing. So, yeah. so we can go and do it again with a different concept later. So its own like little category. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think it would be fun to do this with um, probably a probably with a category that oh, nice. um, I would like to do shifters. 
Shifters would be fun. Um, I wouldn't mind doing mutations, but maybe mm. like stray away a little bit from the X gene and kind of figure out something that is. But you could do you could I do X Men. I did mutations in um, the air of the angels breathe, and it happened in the seventies. Um, and Patrick Shepard ended up being the got the leading the legal wave of preventing the government from confiscating mutant children because when John mutated, he was like, oh hell fuck no mm -hmm. <laughs> and he had the so, money to say no so we could so. talk about your world building for that um because mm -hmm. you could over you could just basically insert your character into or in your fandom into into kind of the x-men kind of concept but that but then you're kind there's of there's a lot of baggage in. with the x-men concept because you're yeah exactly something out of marvel and there's a lot of characters there that you know do you want to use them or not um i wouldn't because i don't know enough about the x-men to do that um, and also this is about taking uh, getting a concept that you can move from fandom to fandom not taking a whole fandom you can move from fandom to fandom because the sentinel is a fandom sentinel and gods are known is a concept trope that you could put everywhere yeah so you could do mutants um, we could dig a little bit into or what practical like a, the practical soulmate thing like you know what would it realistically look like or mm -hmm. um we could do um what was some of the other concepts we talked about we talked about psychics we talked about yeah we did we mentioned magic you could do magic au some kind of magic premise um i'm making a list in the back of my notebook so if I ask about that later, it's in the back of my notebook. <laughs> Prostitution? I thought you didn't want to do that. The Great Horror you have a thing? Well, it's because yeah. I, I, I plotted the Great Horror EU. But also partially because I don't want to hear about it. So I'm always hesitant to... Oh, so you want me to make it into like a full-grown trope. So you want to hear about it individually. That we can hear about no, it together. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe she's we spreading the pain. No, I'm saying maybe we shouldn't do that one, so I don't have to hear about it. Oh, okay. But I do. I, do think I am game. I am totally game. I do Fuck think it's a different world-building premise where sex workers are considered it's considered a noble profession, and you become a really high-ranking member of society when you climb to the top of that profession. And you know, of course, pleasure houses have a completely different tone uh to what that means but i mean remember i talked to you about how i tried to put that in the pleasure house but like literally nothing made sense <laughs> i told you, you to use my pleasure houses uh, i don't care because what else would you well i think it's just the term pleasure house right but because what other term would you use so i wrote okay i have magic soulmates shifters mutants whorehouse au and pleasure houses <laughs> <laughs> well not exactly because i would think of it be more like uh you know here's a world building concept in search or fandom but you could you could do it something like in firefly i guess that's not what i was thinking of but but because you don't see honestly I, well i need to retract because you don't see enough of the world building around what the structure and the governance and is around um is her name anari mm -hmm. around her profession to, to to see to be able to say it's like that because I, I would I just, see it actually more like what we see Inara. in the death series you read um you read um you read JD Rob right? Sometimes I've only read a few of her books. Okay, I like in, her, I like her uh, Nora books better. In the in depth series, there are licensed companions, and they range from high dollar to street level, and they they are licensed prostitutes, both male and female. 
um, and they have they, they have a licensing procedure, health um, a health system and you know designed to keep them healthy mentally, physically, sexually, and they can't be licensed if they have a disease, that kind of thing. And they can't be licensed if they do drugs or um, like illegal drugs or if they have a criminal record. Um, so you can do something like that with a black with a licensed companion. Yeah. So I mean, I had you know. Um, but there are no pleasure houses. I'm thinking that it's just like you got to learn on your own. <laughs> well, no, the thing you I gotta applauded, learn were, on the trade. The thing I applauded, they're definitely not only the houses weren't just places of training; they were also places of business, right? So, mm-hmm. part of your training was through, you know, sort of like being in beauty school. You people come in and get their their haircut at beauty school, right? But except that, you know, there would also be all the different ranks potentially could live in the house and um, that kind of thing. So that could be the kind of AU if you wanted to write a, a pleasure house AU where, you know, sexuality is very free and very open and um, it's not considered taboo to seek. You had a long day. It is not at all considered taboo to go to the nearest pleasure house and, you know, have a glass of scotch and get laid. I want to write a whore AU where Will is a whore. Well, you know, I plotted this. He's a very selective, selective picky whore. And, um, Hannibal has been trying to get an appointment for a year. (laughs) Well, the one I plotted was for Tony, where he is at the top of the, the top tier of, of, companions or whatever um and um like somebody i I, if i remember correctly this is i worked on this years ago um one of his um one of the people in his house is killed and that's when he meets you know whoever's investigating the crime and you know he acts like tony who's just entirely too good to be sitting down talking to you about this do you have any idea how busy I am? <laughs> you you actually don't make enough money to pay me to sit and talk to you. There's a <laughs> there's a one year wait to put dick in this ass. So <laughs> I've got I got places to be <laughs> and people to do. And whoever's in, in, interrupting Tony's time is getting calls from you know various like a you know, a congressman or something going, why in the world did my appointment with so Tony didn't know it got canceled? I am not happy. Finish your investigation. (laughs) I had to wait six months for that appointment. (laughs) It got rescheduled because of you. They have their own Bob and Dick department. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure it could be called Bob and Dick, though. (laughs) Probably not. Okay, so Magic Soulmates Magic soulmates shifters mutants and whores so what else do we got um and a partridge in a pear tree (laughs) i wouldn't mind doing like talking about like a vampire au where they don't sparkle where they're not dead because the whole idea of them actually being deceased is stupid it was always stupid moving on um vampires how about vampire realism vampire realism there we go Okay. Any what other, other thoughts? Po- what other popular paranormal topics? Demigods. Oh, I like that demigods. Yeah, I actually plotted a whole thing about about gods and demi. Well, I plotted one specifically for demigods. But I plotted something else about the return of the gods. So, angels and demons. Margaret, do you want to get spanked? 
feel like a dirty old lady asking her that. I was gonna wonder. I was gonna ask you privately later if if, if that was something that made you uncomfortable when you consider how old she is. But I was, you know, and then I was gonna say Margaret go to the corner, but I'm not considering the path I went down. I don't know that I should say that either. Margaret, did you read that one where uh, Hannibal's a fallen angel and Will's the devil? Wasn't it gorgeous? Pretty sure I'm a pretty dark. You're pretty sure I'm a dirty old lady in comparison to what? I mean, just in general. And it is beautifully to, written. Oh, compared to Margaret. Hann- yeah. um, Hannibal's gift to Will in the end is just breathtaking. I was like, ah. Oh. This is still on my read list. I have that hamster thing first. <laughs> Margaret, would you get the link? Because I don't remember the link. I don't remember the title. I need the title because someone, someone's going to ask on the podcast. So, Margaret is a dirty young woman. We're match made in in this podcast apparently um <laughs> i'm like 27 but i ha- i mean i you know i'd still spank her <laughs> <laughs> i don't care if i'm like 26 years older <laughs> you so brought that on yourself girl <laughs> uh, but yeah that um um that one where um, Will thinks he's the devil. He he actually is the devil. Um, it's gorgeous. I I may read the that the concept tonight. is just stunning. I may read that. It sounds like an interesting. So okay, vampire realism, demigods. Well, someone suggested angels and demons, but okay, I can actually, I can actually, I'm not sure about demons, but I could actually think. Okay, okay, I. I I have an idea, so we could do that one. We could do angels. Do you no, know me? Angels, angels and demons go kind of go hand in hand. Go hand though. Well, not if you strip out the religious angle of the whole thing. Okay. If you take it, if you make it be that like angels are from a different plane of existence. Although I did have, I did plot this one story years ago about. Um, um, it's actually one of the only Buffy stories that I ever plotted. It was about uh, that because. Buffy, the Slayer powers were actually tied to demonic energy, that they created a, uh, an imbalance when they woke all the potential Slayers because it put too much demonic energy um, into this plane of existence. And um, there had to be angelic intervention, and the angels had to channel in order to stabilize a rift that was forming in a demonic war that was coming. The angels had to channel their energy into the same number of people as there were Slayers in order to to stabilize the imbalance so um and i called it the angel the title was me the angel's hand because that's what you were being tapped to do was become the hand of you know angel of choice pick your angel and so there were hundreds of flares and so there were hundreds of these hands being chosen that's pretty cool too um okay the 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 fic where um will thinks he's the devil and thinks that um hannibal's a fallen angel is called knowing exactly what you are is not for the faint of heart and um that link will be in the link library i think it might already be anyway but we'll do it again just in case um but the ending is is stunning i think that wing fic might fall under mutants i mean that's where i would put it Personally? I mean, unless you really just want to focus on like, I have seen wing stuff that is very distinctly wing, like different color wings mean different thing. And there's a whole wing grooming thing that is a very, I read this one story that was very, 
I don't remember what fandom it was because what stuck out to me, this was maybe a decade ago, was that after this battle, there was this battle, these these two guys came together and like one of them was just very carefully grooming the other's wings and cleaning the blood off of them and straightening his feathers out. And there was just something so intimate about that scene. I don't remember the story, but I remember that scene. Will cleans Hannibal's wings. In I haven't read I know, but you need to. I will read it. Anyway, it was just something so intimate about the 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 wing care that I could see why wing fic might be its own thing because it gets diluted if there are a lot of other mutations. But like, what if what if everybody has wings? Like literally everyone. What if that's your AU? Everyone has wings, and your wings are reflective of something about you, and it's very intimate portrayal, right? And like, so what if? What if not all wings are even feathered? And so showing your wings is something. Dragon wings. But so, okay, so my joke would be like Tony Dinozo, he's hidden his wing all his life because he's got these enormous fairy wings. They're like translucent and kind of sparkly. And I would probably have it be something like that he doesn't realize that he's related to like, you know, fey royalty or something because of these bizarre wings. But he's like hid them because he's got these, you know, these like translucent shiny wings that sparkle. (laughs) But um, so you could do all different kinds of. No, yeah, that was just too sad. But you could do all different kinds of wings if you wanted to, or you could just do feathered wings. You could have a whole thing about the colors of them. I know, right, Kara? So anyway, that's just, that made me so uncomfortable. But uh, so I could see wing thick being different if you wanted to focus on the wing aspect and like that whole thing, as opposed to some people in a, in a mutant world have wings and some people have scales. And I think it's a different vibe. What else do you have? Are you muted again? She is. That heifer. Yes, I was. <laughs> Okay, so magic, soulmates, shifters, mutants, whores, vampire realism, demigods, angels, and wings AU. Yeah, that's a list. We, we, we might come up with other stuff later, and no doubt somebody will send you some suggestions. Because there's nothing like I'm a sure. podcast follow-up email. Um, Dark, you're gonna start, we're going to start letting you count those. <laughs> Well, I do it so I can type without having to edit it out later. Because I've got four podcasts to edit right now. Do you guys know that? So, um, Immortal, Immortal AU. Somebody suggested Immortal AU up above. I forgot about that one. That is kind of along the lines of um, Highlander. I would think we could put it on the list tentatively, but we would really need to think about it. We would need to really think about it. To see if I think that I could even do anything with that. Like even build a premise with it. Well. Basically the Revenant. Is an immortal um, soul. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Um, I find the Hanahaki thing very. Bizarre. What the hell is Hanahaki? It's the people who unrequited love. You cough up flowers. Isn't that, isn't that what that is? The coughing up the flowers thing. I just think it's weird. You cough up flower petals and then eventually flowers. I mean, I've read a couple of them. Um, and it is because your love is unrequited. I just, it strikes me. I mean, but to me, that's just a, that's just a plot element to, you know, that it's not really, an, it's not really a, because if you're saying you're going to do a Hanahaki AU, it means that 
Diamonds just... is already a trope. And we're not looking at tropes. We're looking at concepts. Um, like, to develop for others yeah, to use. Yeah, demons is already kind of along the lines of... Um, Why do I always say demons? Is that stupid A in there? Demons. I know. The demons is along the lines of the Sentinel Guide thing, which is already kind of developed into a fusion that people can use if they want to. So we want to, like, we're trying to give, like, a trying to create, like, a list of, you know, oh. topics and tropes, like, new concepts that we can, you know, just kind of set on top of a fandom and, and, and go to town on. The people trying to expand ourselves. Somebody suggested earlier something from I can't pronounce that. Something Hitman Reborn Dying Will Flames thing. And the I don't know what those flames thing are. I would have to investigate that. Yeah, I mean it's the thing is what I got I got two paragraphs of explanation, but it didn't actually explain it enough that I could even speak to it. I wouldn't mind investigating it and seeing if I think it's a concept that could be figure out how to put that into an AU. But if somebody could please send me the pronunciation for that fandom, that'd be great. <laughs> because I wouldn't even know where to approach that. And I'm usually pretty good with Japanese. Anime, anime is a whole new world. So we could, we could. It, it seemed like several people agreed that this one was a, would be a good one to explore. Katekyo, Katekyo. Someone needed to rethink that. <laughs> Katekyo. Okay. Um. Katekyo. Okay. So Katekyo, Hitman Reborn. Um. We, I can investigate that one. To see if I think that we could build an AU concept on it that could. Well, I think we're almost we're finished with this topic, so let's go ahead and close the podcast. So I don't have like four hours to edit, and um, we can continue to talk about this in the chat room afterwards. We can make our okay. we can, can, can expand our list. So, um, I want to thank everyone for um joining and and participating in the chat room, and I hope this this um podcast was very very helpful, and that you have an excellent week. Um, say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>